then I told the judge, there's nothing wrong with cannibalism per se. And I'm actually a conscientious people eater. The vagrants that I prey on, they're free range. I don't keep them in cages. I let them roam around so the meat doesn't get too gamey. I want it to be soft and supple. So you've got to give them exercise. And that... Wait, are these mics on? Is this a hot mic? Is this is this an ambush? Oh my god, cut it off. Cut it off. Is this ambush journalism? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you just fondled the microphone. To make the noise. What noise? Of like a microphone noise. Because we can't let the people know what you're really like. What will they do? Will they come for me with pitchforks and mob mentality? They'll kill you. That Yeah, that was implied by the oh, pitchfork. Oh, They've not oh, come oh. to, like, fork my when hay. When you speak to me, you have to be explicit. Is that because you had meningitis as a baby? <laughs> Low blow. Low blow. Low blow. People who don't know us are going to think that that's really <laughs> mean. They're going to think that that's really, really mean. We... Uh, we... No... No. I don't get to explain myself. You don't pull back the curtain. You've done the thing. You have to live <laughs> with the thing. I have to face the court of public opinion. Yeah. I can't tell about the jitus jokes no, we make. We don't make any. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, wow. You've forsaken me in my hour of need. I have. You're a Judas, priest or otherwise. Oh, yeah. How dare you? One might say that you were the Judas. Because I revealed that you had hey, a disease as a baby. You stop this. I had diseases. This is going down a dark road. <laughs> Let me tell you about I all my diseases. diseases. Don't think I didn't have diseases because oh, I had them. I was an infectious little rascal. <laughs> Sometimes I gave myself measles just to pass it around at school. Uh, I was the typhoid Ryan of my generation. Even, don't even get me started on that. What, do you have measles stories? No, on like anti-vaxxers, people who don't... How did you jump from that A to that because, D? Because you were talking about, you said having it just to pass it around. And when you don't vaccinate your kids, not only are you putting your own child at risk, but you put other children at risk as well. That's true. We need that like herd mentality to like keep... All the people that legitimately can't have vaccinations because they might have something else that will, like... We have to protect them by being vaccinated ourselves. Sure. You know? Anyway. 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 Now we've just lost all our anti-vaxxer listeners. Oh, wow. Fuck them. <laughs> will... We'd like to invent a vaccine for stupidity, but alas, my poor friends... <laughs> You must persist in your, your state of benighted ignorance. It sounds like you're saying my poor friends. Yeah, that's what I said. Not like my poor friends. What, Do I you get the difference? No. You're like my poor friends as in like my friends. It's just like a way to say my friends. Yeah. But it sounds like you're saying my poor friends as in my friends that have no money. Why would I be saying that? I don't know. I just want you to make it clear. Aren't vaccines For the free? people who can't see your face. Do you have to pay for vaccines? No, you don't. So why would... I don't know. It's just the way you said it. Sometimes you point things out and I don't really know what to say. Do you think anyone really thought I was saying two of my friends still stuck in poverty? <laughs> this goes out to you. Like just I'm a DJ case. playing a requested song. 
Perhaps. To all my fellows and ladies out there in the slums. Don't do it. This one goes out to you. Are you a DJ? And your anti-vaccine ways. Are you a uh, DJ? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That that. joke was so good, you had to say it twice. (laughs) You thought... Get back into the groove, These cretins won't get it if I just give it one run. I feel like we haven't done a podcast in a year. It was an encore. It feels like it's been a long time. Yeah, we haven't done one for, I think, about a month and a bit. Oh, thanks for that information. I feel like... (laughs) Man, this podcast has started off tumultuous. I feel like you combative. were trying to give us a month and five days, but you were just like a month and a bit. It was an estimation. <laughs> it was guesswork. We both, you you get very disturbed by the <laughs> the most mundane noises outside because it said. <laughs> You're losing the plot, woman. It felt like it was right next to me, like something here was happening and I had to look and find out what it was. But it turned out to be several hundred metres away. Well... A not... motorbike, the engine. But it... The rumbles the sound, of it felt like it was right here. It did feel a little bit like it could exactly, be right exactly. outside the window. So you but just should. the vibrations of it, not the actual... That's what I just said. I could yeah. feel it like rumbling. You try to be smart. I, I do try to be. Yeah, it doesn't work. Unsuccessfully, but. as of yet. <laughs> but one must keep hope. Yeah. One must keep faith. It's cold. Oh, we had a remarkably, and might I say, thankfully, mild August. Yeah. We really did. I was going to say we had a short summer, but we didn't because it's been warm since april and it's now september that's not that short to be honest isn't short summer your porn name because that's you come funny. in and you're diminutive of stature but you brighten up the room with your breasts what? <laughs> <laughs> i had to let that hang up you pulled it back you pulled it back i will say but the <laughs> beginning was not good Sometimes you've got to wait for the the last blow to land before you judge the fight. Looking at my hands right now, they're really small. Oh, God. We should never have taken those vape hits before we started. What was I saying? You derailed me. Oh, yeah, about the summer. I just feel like we didn't feel feel that a lot of the heat we got because we sleep in the day and also we have AC now. So it's like we missed, which is good. But even still, it was... We had a lot of rain during the August. Yeah, it's feeling like autumn already, honestly. I was walking home the other day and I saw the whole pavement was covered in leaves. It was very really? strange for that to be happening so soon. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was just that one... St- you know how sometimes if there's like really strong wind, you'll get that prematurely a bit because mm. it's kind of forced? I was looking... This is not interesting at all, but I was looking at... um, That's the alternate name of our podcast. (laughs) I was looking up when autumn ends and when winter begins. And I don't know about other years. Oh, I'm assuming it's like usually the same, give or take a few days, maybe. But autumn this year is like ends in December. That doesn't make... December something. Even a lick of sense. I always thought that, like, November, December, January. No, because February is winter as well. I don't know. The seasons, they're not exact. I feel like they used yeah. to be exact and they're not anymore. Um, I told you it wasn't interesting. How did we get to call it 
autumn and Americans call it fall. I was thinking of this earlier, actually, today, because I saw, like, an image, and it was, like, a shitty image, but that had the seasons on it, and it said... Um, spring, summer, fall, winter. And to me, that just sounded just, no. It's I'm, called autumn. Like Fall makes sense, though, because the leaves... Yeah, I understand yeah. where it comes from, but I feel like, yeah. I feel like I've... I'm I like the word autumn. It's a nice yeah, word. But because I'm so conversant with American media yeah. of all types, I'm so used to the word fall that it doesn't even phase me when I see it. Yeah, I feel like I only ever really use the term fall. This is really boring. <laughs> I don't want to talk How many about times are you going to say that? I don't know. Do you think? Um, I also, feel like, I also feel like all of a sudden I sound like I have a cold. I don't think so. To me, anyway. Um, We're a little bit loopy at yeah, the start of this podcast. Feel, what was I saying? Maybe we've got podcast rust yeah maybe. we need to shake it off we need to get a hard wire brush and just try and scrape off the rust what would it be called mic rust from our corroded android buddies my point was anyway our that... chassis if you will <laughs> isn't it chassis i don't know i don't know um chateau is it like that no chartreuse <laughs> We're just we're just saying words. Shantus. That's also an alternate name for the podcast. <laughs> we're just saying words. Yeah, I forgot anyway what I was talking about, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's cold and I like it. I do like it. And we're taking a little trippy trip. We're taking a little trip on the anniversary, pretty much, give or take a week, of our Paris trip. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was like this time last year that we went to Paris. And this time we're... Not we're, this time as in today, but when we take yeah, our next I, trip, it will be this time. Yeah, we're making our triumphant return to London Town. To London Town. They're going to hold a ticker tape parade for us. Yeah, are they? They might. A ticker tape parade. They're going to give us the key to the city. We which people it. don't know this. It actually opens every single door <laughs> in the city. It's the ultimate skeleton key. Some people do think that that's what that means when they're given the keys to the city. I'm pretty sure. Like I they read can go into any residence. They think that the keys really are to something, but isn't that weird? I don't think that's we true. We did live in. I feel very like. Calling shenanigans. When we lived in London, we lived in the city of London. Which Most is people pretty don't cool. understand. And I know, yeah. Unless you're like English or you've lived in London, you'd probably don't. Even people who lived in, yeah, I, I because one when time, you say, I on. mentioned it in one of my university classes. When the, you know how they always do the <laughs> icebreaker activities at the start of each, I'm class. laughing because I can already imagine you saying it and then being like, "Yeah, we know, but like where?" Yeah, <laughs> and you say the city of London, and they don't understand specifically what that is because you're in the city. You're in. You're in a city yeah. called London. Yeah, but there's a district within yeah near central london called the city of london yeah kind of like how there's like manhattan or whatever yeah there's city of london it's sometimes called the square mile because yes, i think it's true. about a mile yeah and it's known for being kind of the financial center mm. in fact there's only something like 
7,000 actual yeah, residents there. There's not a lot of, re- like, residences there. I mean... It's mostly... Businesses and yeah. shops and, like, markets and things. There's a lot of... Sky- that's where a lot of the skyscrapers are. Yeah. In we- fact, because there's so few residents there, I, I think it was something like six or 7,000 people. It's, like, one of the most exclusive places you can live. Oh, yeah, in the world. we're so fancy. No, my point is... yeah. Because there's only so many thousands of people living there at any one time. Over the last, say, 50 years, there's a relatively small amount of people who have lived there, given that it is essentially central London. Do you actually know that? It will, that the yeah, maths that's works what I mean. out. Like, are you just guessing that that's... No, if there's true? only 6,000 people living there... That's true. When you compare... Yeah, if, if you course. take any other mile in mm. London, there's going to be a lot more than 6,000 people living there. Yeah. You know what else is in the city of London, if you don't know? Tower Bridge, which a lot of people think is London Bridge. <laughs> sure. There's lots of It's easy to conflate them, though, because Tower Bridge is actually the more iconic bridge. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. When people think of the London Bridge, they think of the one where the two parts of it mm. go up. And it's so, like, fancy. Actual London Bridge is just, like... There's nothing unique about it. It's just a yeah. bridge. It's not even got like that. Those big edge parts of it. It's just like a footbridge. Like just you can't go. We're over revealing in a car. anyway. Quite acutely, yeah. our lack of knowledge about bridge terminology. <laughs> I'll bust it's, out the the glossary of words that we yeah. need. There are so many bridges in London, though. There are, yeah. yeah. Some of them are like one of their names, but anyway. Um, so we're going to London. That's the plan. And uh, it's going to be cold. And Yay! there's no Eurostar to trip us no, up. No, there's not. I say that and then we're going to miss the train. We're going to miss the train. I've jinxed us. <laughs> you have. I've, ta- the word. I've taken off my glove and I've slapped the face of fate. Yeah. And I've said, I challenge you, sir. You have to touch the real wood and the head wood for this one, I feel. That makes very little sense. Touch the head wood. I've touched the head wood. This block of oak I call a brain pan. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of like... Brains. Frying up your skull. <laughs> <laughs> My skull? I don't think you can fry bone. Well, Going back I'm to, picturing it in a frying pan. Call so back to whether earlier, you can actually fry it or not. I've tried it many a time. You have yeah. to deep fry the whole cranium. Ew. And then the bone becomes brittle and succulent. Okay, stop now. And you eat it in small Someone pieces. Someone is eating meat, like, on the bone right now while they're listening. I think that's quite unlikely. Do you think so? Well, it's a three-hour podcast. You've got to have a snack at some point. Some guy in Tennessee at a rib place. Why Tennessee? Because ribs are a southern that's food. True. You that's see, true. This, is, this is what happens. I want to know what your thought process is. You have I'm this not knee-jerk you. response of, that doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? No, that's not what I was doing. And then doing. 10 seconds elapses and you suddenly think, no, okay, that, I get it. That makes perfect no, 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 sense. No, 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 I didn't think it didn't make sense. I wanted to know why you chose Tennessee. That was all. You need impulse Calm control. Calm yourself. And you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you know about that whole, the test where... I think they do it to children. It, it's the test for impulse control. You give them a, a marshmallow and they have to keep it in their mouth for 30 seconds. This sounds familiar. Without eating it. 
and you say, if you don't eat it in those 30 seconds, I'll give you another marshmallow as well. I don't think it's kids. Maybe this is this is partially urban myth kind of territory, but I thought for a second it was something to do with testing for psychopaths. But I, I think maybe I'm some wires I've got crossed in my my mind. It's one of those things where you, it's like you half remember someone yeah. saying it one time. You're remembering, oh, you're remembering several things. Because what's coming to my mind when you say this is the stale donuts thing. Where it's like you leave the stale donuts out and it's like the, pers- the person who goes for them. They, they're told that they're going to get new donuts. Did I just see this in a TV show? <laughs> I think, yeah, was it Mindhunter? Where it's like they're told they're going to get fresh donuts. But even though they're told they're going to get fresh donuts, they leave the stale donuts there and see who, who eats them. And there's always going to be people who eat them, even though they know fresh donuts are coming. And what is that to test for? I don't know. Because, it's like I said, I was right, just giving yeah. you an example of what you remember and it not being... I'm pretty sure I saw this on a TV show, and so it may not actually even be a real thing. That's kind of a weird test. Yeah. Well, I think I would probably still eat the stale donuts because I wouldn't... Yeah. Well, because what if a motherfucker's hungry, you know? <laughs> I think... You're saying to me you'll get new donuts in 60 minutes, but, but meanwhile, I'm sitting here with my mouth salivating, yeah. thinking about those delicious sugary donuts. And I kind of like stale cake. I'm only one man, after all. I'm only human. You like... I like... Yeah. What I mean by that is, I have an example of this. When Steph was here last time, we went to like this fancy little like tea shop where there was like, you know, you can get like sandwiches and cakes and like tea, high tea and like, you know. and um, <laughs> High tea at high noon. Yeah, pretty much. And I wanted to see it because it's all fancy and stuff. And there's usually always someone there who you know is like cake tasting for a wedding or whatever and you see them bring out like all the cakes on those pretty little cake platters and stuff anyway so i took her there and when it was time to have like cake i went up and saw this really delicious chocolate cake and so i ordered chocolate cake and ice cream five minutes later someone comes over and she's like i'm sorry i can't serve you the chocolate cake because it's dried out and i was like oh and that was the only chocolate cake they had left because it was like late in the day and i was like well i kind of like dry chocolate cake and plus she was going to be heating it to make it warm and then i'm going to mix it with ice cream so just give me the cake and she served me the cake and it made me think of that so i would probably eat the stale donuts and that's why you're a psychopath plus you've got to think if they say i'm going to bring out new donuts in 60 minutes or half an hour and then they leave the stale donuts there if the stale donuts are still there are they really going to bring out more (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That's what I would be thinking. Now you're getting into some deep game theory mm. type of calculations. Yep. So you have to get rid of the old ones in order for them to bring more. Because otherwise it's like a waste. You always have to be three moves ahead of your opponent when it comes to donuts. Yeah. And unless they're like out of date, don't be wasting food. What's wrong with you? Wasting food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Would you eat the marshmallow? I would have to eat it if it was already in my mouth. I really wouldn't like to keep a marshmallow no. in my mouth for 30 seconds. It would get all sticky. Yeah. It's not a pleasant... It's like someone putting like... I'd know. probably eat it just to get it out of my mouth, honestly. 
I'm also, I've got to say, not that big of a fan of marshmallows. Yeah, me either. Do you remember flumps? <laughs> Do I remember what? Flumps. Do I remember flumps? Flumps. 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 Isn't there an F? There's like a flumps. Flump. Oh, flump. is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's not just flump, it's flump. Flump. I might be lying. I'm not sure <laughs> You're now. Not You're lying. making me second guess myself. This is not a case of mendacity. It's just a case of, I don't remember what this thing was 15 years ago. Yeah. But it's marshmallows, basically. But it's like twisty. It's like twisted in like a little yeah. spirally. It's kind of like a double helix of marshmallow. Yeah. Which is how the DNA would look in My Little Ponies. That was a masterful connection. It I just was because they're like pink and blue and yellow. Yeah, they're white. very strange they're, colors that food should not, not be. It's not white marshmallow. It's like the the just before we go on to what we will inevitably traipse into in a second. Traipse. I used to eat flumps. Flumps. I think it's flumps. Sounds like a German word. Yeah, it does. But I think it's just a made-up word to. It's like a cute, bouncy yeah, made-up word. A, a bouncy made Because marshmallows are bouncy, aren't they? But the word to describe them doesn't need to be bouncy. But it's cool if it is. Is it kind of onomatopoeia? Yes. If you hit someone with it, flumpf. it would make a flump. Yeah, it would. That's interesting. It's not yeah. true. Well. But all the best things are not true. That's Hashtag true. only read fake news. Pretty much. Anyway. Hashtag the, don't get your news from Facebook. Hashtag Facebook hates conservatives. Hates conservatives? I don't know if this is true. I'm just don't saying Don't you mean things. that they side with the conservatives? No, that's not... That, I, we, anyway, forget they, it. Hold that for and then throw it out. Yeah. When I, when I used to wait for the bus to school when I was a kid, it was right next to this little supermarket. Mm. And... Oh, I remember that supermarket. <laughs> I'd always want to go in there and buy like some kind of just cheap candy to eat while I'm waiting there. Mm. And flumps, if I remember correctly. They were like 15p or something. I think they were less. I think they were 10p. Yeah. Well, Which means you can to... buy like four or five of them. Yeah. And, and just snarf them before the buzz comes. Snarf, snarf, snarf. <laughs> <laughs> just give yourself a tummy ache. Is there a Pokemon called snarf? No. You're fi- snarf is the little... I don't even know how to describe him. He's the kind of animal mascot of the Thundercats. Oh, uh, see, I knew there was something called Snarf. He says Snarf, Snarf. He says Snarf, Snarf. Snarf, Snarf. Because he's snarfing flumps. I'm not sure if we're supposed to go in there. Snarf, Snarf. Snarf, Snarf. I don't, I don't know how I know this because I, I was know. never a fan of Thundercats. I think I watched it. Thundercats are on the loose. Thundercats are loose. That's probably not that even was the right... You even did like this little impassioned head shake where it's like you couldn't control the emotion spilling out of you you know how like the memory of something is usually better than what it is like it's kind of like when you're like oh that movie was so good when i was young but then you watch it now and it's like uh. i feel like that might not actually be the thundercat theme tune but <laughs> i have like that's what my memory sure. tells me it is it's a kind of yeah. it's your mind trying to fill in the gap pretty much confabulate some kind of new memory it's weird how your mind can you you remember something from your childhood and then you you talk to someone who was there and they say that never happened or it happened a completely different way and your mind has just kind of 
your mind abhors a, a vacuum. Yeah. Just like the whole of nature. Well, they say that there were like, what is it? There's three truths. There's your truth, their truth, and the actual truth. So it's This, like, again, sounds like something you heard on CSI. No. No. Well, it could be. Let's be honest. It could be. But that's like an actual thing that people say. I do wonder sometimes when I have like memories of things or like, you know, one of my like crazy stories... The other people in those stories and in those memories, how they remember it, or even if they don't even remember it at all because it meant absolutely nothing to them and so it's not been sealed into their mind, the chambers of their mind. The mind like, palace. Yeah. But, um, but I think you can't worry about that too much because memory can be kind of messed up and you just got to go with what you think you know. Sure. And what we know about... Is cute, chubby little love ponies. Ah. To bring it back to what we were going to transition to oh, earlier. Oh, yeah. Flumps. And my little pony. I'm not really done. A match made in heaven. They are a match made in heaven. You could, like, tie the little flump. Because they came in, like, long. They were, like, the helixes, but, like, so they were long and, like, twisty. And you could, like, it could be the hair of a pony. They're braided. Yeah. Mane. Uh-huh. I don't want to eat horse hair. I'm just going to put that no. out there. I would admit that sometimes when I see in like the American section at the grocery store, those huge bags of like giant white marshmallows, <laughs> yeah. occasionally I'll be like, you know what? That looks really nice. But I know I would eat like two and it would be too much because yeah. I'm definitely not down for marshmallows that much really. I'm not really someone who, you know, when you go get hot chocolate and they say, do you want marshmallows? I'm not really a marshmallows it's a bit kind of putting a hat on top of a hat it's already a completely indulgent sugary drink and then they're saying do you want little lumps of coagulated sugar in it as well yeah usually i would say yes though because if you think about like a cake and it has like it's already just a block of like spongy sugar do you really need like the icing and stuff but it's like yes i do need the i icing. know but yeah i see what it's you mean. just marshmallow i think it's it for me, it's like part texture, part just... It really is like just eating sugar. Those, as you were saying, those giant marshmallows we see in the American section and on supermarkets. And they're like £5 wow. for a bag they of marshmallows. It had to be flown in here straight yeah. from the US of A. Stupid. The ones that are so big, they look like you could use them as a flotation device. <laughs> yeah. You'd put one of those in they're a mug huge. of hot chocolate and it would just soak it up like a sponge. You'd just pull it out and the mug would be bone dry and it would just be yeah. a wet marshmallow. I kind of want to have like a s'more with like a marshmallow in it though. Just what to is see. a s'more? It's like um, you roast the marshmallow over the fire and then you get some um, graham crackers. So like digestive biscuits or whatever. And then you like smush it together. But you can also put chocolate in there as well and like melt the chocolate. Sure. And, it, and you just smush it all together and it makes like this... I've never tasted it though. I do kind of want to taste one. Have you ever toasted marshmallows over I've a, never to- an open fire? I've toasted bread over a fire, but I've never toasted. That's strange. Get a toaster. Not over like a real fire, but like at like a gas fire. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> the tales of yeah. poverty. Hey, stop. From, you're like a Dickens character. No, I'm not. You lived a in a ramshackle hovel. With your your seventeen siblings, 
every day you had to go to the workhouse. No, I do have a really distinct memory of... Run on the treadmill. Why did we have to use the gas fire? Did we just not have a toaster? Eat the watery gruel. Maybe we didn't have any electric. Sure. Oh, and it's a gas fire. Isn't... You're not supposed yeah. to... Because with, with a gas fire, uh, if you put something over the flame, isn't it being coated in the gas that's Probably. combusting? But you can cook food on a gas fire. So wouldn't the gas be going in all your food? But you're not using the open flame, you're using a pan or a pot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. Did I get, like, gas poisoning or something? That's probably why you have... You are going to get locked in a cupboard <laughs> if you continue. And well, I would just do the podcast on my own. What I would euphemistically call cognitive challenges. One time I tried to do a Sudoku with you, and it did not go well. One time I tried to play Scrabble with you, and you got a lot of free letter words. Hmm. But that was pretty much it. You take this back. This is not true. <laughs> Do you think people that are listening to this really think this is an accurate you description? You mean to me. Am I a pony girl or what? You are a pony girl. You don't be mean to pony girls. And your mental prowess is unquestioned. <laughs> You're the smartest pony girl I've ever met. You're a bitch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That really hurts me deep in my yeah, core. good. Me? Feel the pain. How dare you... No, get out. Hashtag bitch squad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and my bitches. You think you know things and then you're just like pulling at like the periphery of the... Of the what? The world. Finish that. <laughs> That's <laughs> the periphery of the world. The periphery of your world. Sure. I can't believe my love is taking this sadistic pleasure. I don't know what you mean. You say shit, you get hit. Uh, is that a good? <laughs> is that a good ethos no, for life? No, but it can be the ethos in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just and I'm kidding. just a little lady that cleans. Why have you got to be a lady? Wow! Really showing yourself now. <laughs> to be, <laughs> to be what? <laughs> Anyway, to I'm get a kept back up- woman. Yeah, you are. You buy me Gucci. Pretty much. You feed me caviar. You give me back rubs. I give you money for sex and lingerie. For- it sounded like you said for sex and lingerie. Well. So you give me money for sex. And you do my laundry. What? Wait. What? I'm huh? confused. Illegal prostitution? It's not illegal. Is it not? I don't know. I think prostitution <laughs> itself is not illegal, but paying for it and soliciting it is illegal. That makes... Yeah, it makes no sense. Less than no sense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, getting back... We keep going off track. Let's to, just take a breath. Yeah, take a fucking breath. It's um, been a while. We've been excitable and like crazy. So, we're going to London. London, London. I'm very excited. It's going to be cold. It's going to be delicious. It is going to be delicious because like we're going to have poppies. Puppies, puppies, puppies. We need to explain what but, that is. Yeah, it's a fish and chip shop, restaurant, place. But it's a chain. It's a, but it's like not not like McDonald's. Yeah, no, it's not. It's like it, they have several locations in London. Right. But it's like famous. It's, it's like a no, famous. It's known for being one of the best fish and chip places yeah. in London. Which is not why we go there. We go there because we happen to live by one. Yeah. 
And we went there, and it's amazing. In fact, we used to live by two. Yeah, because they opened a little kiosk in the market, didn't they? And uh, we would go there on, like, rainy evenings. We would sit in the market and have fish and chips, and it was very nice. And I'm very excited to have puppies. It's going to be so good. Is it going to be yummy, yummy, yummy in your tummy, tummy, tummy? It is going to be yummy, yummy, yummy in my tummy, tummy, tummy. I feel like we're starting off some kind of weird improv game. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not Zip, zap, zap. What? Zoop, zip, zap. See, I'm just going to like copy what you do. I'm not going to bring make up my own stuff. That's um, li- that's literally what improvisation is. And I said it wasn't making I don't know why it. I said it like the improv- words were punching me in the face as they came out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I was being pummeled as I was pronouncing each syllable. Do you know what I really dislike? And it made me think of that. Can I guess? How like, no. People who are mean to animals. I do dislike that. Dislike's not strong enough of a it's word. It's not strong enough of a word. <laughs> you Want know what? I'm not a big you. fan of people who beat dogs. <laughs> like, they're not my favourite thing. I mean, they're fine, but they're just, they're not one of my loves. Um. Yeah. Oh, when people say words, like, it's the full word for it. Like, yeah. I get shortening a word, that's fine. But then continuously using the word as if you've forgotten that it's a shortened version of a bigger word. Okay. One that springs to mind in, like, the beauty, like, YouTuber world is collabs. Sure. And I've even heard them saying collabing. (laughs) And it's like, you do know that collab is from collaborating, and therefore you could just use the full word in that context. But because they want to be, like, cool and, like, say the... the Yeah. Because it's called, like, oh, collab with blah, blah, blah. It bugs me. It really bugs me. And when you were, like, couldn't say improvisation... I can't say it either. Improvisation, because we're so used to just saying improv. Because we do improv all the time. Of course. I don't know. There's a really nitpicky, like... I see what you're saying. Shitty pet peeve, but like, it is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Jenny Grammar Police over here. Yeah. It's weird that they pronounce it with a hard co, like collab. Yeah. Because you pronounce it Co-collab. collaboration. You'd say collab, wouldn't you? Instead yeah. of, and I think some, some of them do, but like collab is like what it's turned into. It's turned into its own word. Yeah. Um, a neologism, if you will. Yeah. I'm going to practice for the next few minutes on softening my voice when I speak. How? Soften. Soften. You have to massage it. Soften. What are you massaging? My voice. Soften. Right now so, you're fondling well, your throat. I was actually fondling the air, but sure. Your air throat? My. There's only one word that could spring to mind right now. Go. Dicks. <laughs> I mean... That's in the same arena, I guess. I mean, that was the word because I thought that you thought that that was going to be my word. And yeah. so that's why it was my I word. I wanted you to go from A to B, but like a good improver, <laughs> you went straight to A to J. What word were you thinking of? We will never know now. No, you have to tell me. No, you gave your answer. Oh, you such a fuck. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> tell me the word. That's how it was produced, you know. What? Huh? What did you say? I'm a natural born person. Okay, I'm, a, I'm, I'm the- a child of Zion. I don't have the holes like you, Neo. <laughs> huh? What? Get out. 
<laughs> I love that film. Okay. I mean, I haven't seen it. Soften. But I've heard that it was important for the culture. You're, Soften. You're looking at me with a look of disdain. <laughs> with disgust. <sighs> just breathe. Just breathe. Have you ever just breathed? No. So. That's how you know you're on MDMA. Have you ever just touched someone else's skin and felt the connection from I thought your you were going to say, have you ever just touched someone else's eyeball? Why would you think? I that's don't know. Literally that's literally the last the, thing I want to do your worst in the world. Yeah. I'm going to touch your eyeball with my tongue. If you do that, I cannot be held accountable for my actions. <laughs> it's like how there used to be that legal defense of temporary insanity where... There used to be. I think it... It's still a thing, I, I think. I think maybe it's... It's now kind of been phased out. Phased? So you can't be insane? No. There used to be this idea in the law that, say, if a guy comes home, he finds oh, his yeah. wife in bed with another man, he sees red and beats the shit out of that guy. There was this idea that in that moment, he was so mentally impaired by <laughs> the passionate emotion that he's not... He's not at the same um, high level of culpability for his actions. Sure. I mean, it's kind of so a silly idea. So many things to think about with that. But I'm going to continue working on softening my voice. Soften my voice. What if I take some fabric softener that we put in the washing machine and I squirt it down your esophagus? What if I get my shoe and I hit you on the head with it? Do you think that I'm a spider? On the wall that needs to be dispatched with extreme prejudice? No, because if I did it, I would get the hoover and I would suck you up. Oh, my God. The suck you up. <laughs> suck you up. You're making such a violent, thrusting <laughs> motion. Yeah. Do you want to know why we're going to London? I, I hope I, I hope I already know. Yeah, well, really, I wasn't talking to you, was You're I? You're talking to the royal you, podcast royal listener. You. That's right, listener. We consider you royalty. We do. So in my new soft, it's not my new soft, it's my regular soft voice when I'm not on the podcast. In my regular soft voice, I'm going to discuss why we're going to London. Please I do. feel like my voice has gotten quieter. I feel like the only way I can be loud, not that I need to be loud on the podcast because we've got microphones, but the only way I can be loud is if my voice is like harsh. There's no way to have a soft voice and be loud. I see I what you I've mean. I would just quibble with the fact that I don't think your voice is ever harsh. I really dislike it on the podcast. When I listen back to it, I sound like this. Like, I'm talking like this. And I, I don't speak like that in real life. You're making a very aggravated yeah. facial expression to go along with this. Anyway, so I want to see some art. We're going to learn to see some art, yeah, darlings. Darling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to tour the yeah. museums. Did, yeah, yeah. Were you just yeah. smoking one of those... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what, what are they Cigarette called? Cigarette holders. That, you know... Cigarette holders. Rich old people in old black and white films have with their monocles. Cigarette holders. But is, I think there's actually a word for them. Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe there is. <laughs> you you flip-flopped. I'm doing like an eddy. For the love of God, woman, have yes. some conviction. Yeah. Okay. I don't need it. Tell us about the art that oh, we're, we're going, going to, to peruse. Some, we're going to see some art in London. Um, that's it, really. I don't really want to tell you what art we're going to see. Why not? I don't know. It's I like, don't know. I just it's like it. when 
I feel a bit silly. I, mean, I don't like, want to reveal what art speaks to my soul. It's like when people ask you what like your favourite book is or your favourite song. I feel like it's really personal. Yeah, I actually do understand that. Like, if someone asked me what my favourite poem is, yeah, I would instantly get kind of defensive. Yeah, I'd be, same. I'd, I'd say, why do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> do you think that you, you should be privy to that personal yeah. glimpse into my mind? But two things... We will probably talk about it when we get back, and I will post about it. Sure. So if you really want to know, you'll be able to see it anyway. That's true. So, I just don't want to see you right now because I'm all shy. I just don't want people to know the real me. I just me. don't want to know. I want you to see the persona that I want you to see. Yeah. I want to talk about what happened earlier. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? You could be talking about several different things. Take a guess. Are you talking about the Giganto Spider? That was yesterday, but yeah. Yeah, that was earlier in the timeline uh, of life. our lives. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't know what happened earlier. When we woke up. I don't. I don't know. That comment I got. Oh, okay. I kind of want to talk about it, but That's I don't fine. want to give it life. I. It's on my mind. I wouldn't. I. I would talk about that type of comment. In general. Yeah. Because like you said, you don't want to... You don't want to give it any oxygen. I also don't want to talk about the subject of it because I have a lot to say and that's for like a different... That's like a whole topic on its own. I just want to talk about... I really just want to say I got like a shitty comment on one of my pictures earlier today. And I really just want to say I got a shitty comment and it was shit. (laughs) <laughs> because I feel like yeah, when people are like unkind, it it's not nice. <laughs> like, and I feel yeah the effects of that. And what it didn't like upset me to the point of like I don't know. Like, I, it didn't like upset me. Upset me. Like other things, similar things have upset me way worse. But it's definitely affected me to the point of like I've been thinking about it on and off all day. And I just want to set that person on fire. <laughs> I don't really, but I just well, feel. I just feel like just a little bit of immolation. Do, it doesn't have to be lethal. Little, just the edges. I just want to make some of his skin a little bit melty. Yeah. I want it to drip <laughs> down him like wax. A little bit melty. Yeah. I just think it's really horrible when you go out of your way to say something to someone and then it affects their whole day. It's like, you're a piece of shit. And I just want to say that. Yeah. The thing that I always think of is, literally, there's no successful, happy, well-adjusted people who go on random people's pages, whatever that might be, whether it's instagram or blog or a youtube channel or whatever and just leave mean mm. spiteful disgusting comments and the thing is when i went to this person's page to block them and report them i i feel like you'll be i don't feel like you should even you know what i was gonna say yeah but i, I was just gonna say yeah. it's clear to me that that's what they do they're not just a person with a profile and they sometimes decide to be shitty it's clear that their whole profile yeah. is about being shitty to other people. They're a full-time troll. Yeah. My, my point is, I am kind of like you, where it's not that we're especially sensitive or thin-skinned, but 
whenever you put yourself out there and then someone specifically takes the time to try and be mm. to do something mean-spirited and hurtful it's always going to have an effect on you whether that's big or little depends on how hardened you've become to it but i i am now at the point where i look at that type of thing and i just feel kind of a faint pity for that type of person yeah because it's just such a pathetic thing to do it bespeaks a sad hollow very in a sense pointless life it's like that phrase hurt people hurt people it, i just think what must have happened to this person to to make them so I mean, what a wretched existence to just go around trying to spread as much negative energy as possible. That person is beneath even contempt. It is just kind of a weird, detached pity that I feel for them. I've never heard that phrase. It's a good one. What do you mean hurt people hurt people? They have been hurt, and because they haven't processed that properly, their only way of kind of venting that... I understand. Emotion inside them is to lash out at other people. Do I realise I think I'm past... Like, the subject of what the comment was about has not upset me. Yeah. And I'm past that. You can say something, and I'm not going to be upset about that. I'm just upset that you think you can hurt me. Yeah. And, like... And you think that that's okay. Yeah. But yeah, I don't want to give it any more time of day. I just felt like it was on my mind and I wanted to... It's sometimes cathartic to just say, this shitty thing happened. Yeah. This person is a shitty person. Yeah. And I'm now just going to move on with my day. I think that more people could really stand to do that. It's so easy to just have a thing like happen or, you know whatever and then you go about your day and it's just stuck in your mind and i think that can be dangerous because like you just said with the hurt people hurt people thing if this person has been hurt and then they've never processed it they then go on to hurt the people and i think that's part of why it's so important to talk about it because now i mean not that i would have ever done the same because i'm not like that but because I've now been hurt, like I'm not going to then yeah, use that and hurt someone else. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to say out loud, this person did this shitty thing and I need to say this person did this shitty thing so that I can set it yeah. loose. It's not If you keep it inside you, it's more likely to, to impact you. You're more likely to internalize that negative. Yeah. Well, I don't need to think about it now because yeah. I've said it. You know, but yeah, so I'm excited about London. <laughs> you've pushed it out to sea yeah. on a little wooden raft, and then you've gave it a Viking funeral. Yeah, you pulled back the bowstring. Yeah, you set the arrowhead on fire, and then you fired, and you hit some guy in the crowd, and that's fine. That's fine because we got a lot of arrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy's expendable. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. A, he's just a viewer. He's just in the way, honestly. We take another shot. Oh no! You killed the village elder. That's not great. <laughs> But you've got to try and try. You're going to fail. That's fine. But we slowly inch our way to success. Do you know what I think about with, like, funerals like that when you see them in, like, um, TV and stuff? What happens when the fire goes out? There's just, like, a dead person on a (laughs) 
Because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. part of it's going to be left. Well, the flames are going to I eat. don't really need to know what. I'm just saying. You ask too many rhetorical questions. Yeah, I don't actually mean tell me what happens. Of course I know, but like, <laughs> it just seems inconvenient. <laughs> well, it's a ritual. It's oh, not supposed to be. The yeah. most convenient thing to do is to dig a hole and yeah, throw the corpse in there. I was re- throw it in. Have yeah. some respect, man. You know when you pick up a corpse in like a fireman's carry? Yeah, and you just And you run over to the gravesite and you just... You run with it? You slam Are it you down. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, this no. is getting into a dark territory. <laughs> I was going to say something. I was going to say, if the corpse... No, no. <laughs> Restrain your worst Restrain instincts, it. Ryan. <laughs> I was going to say something then and I forgot it. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of um, cremation. Sure. And how it's like, yeah. Is it weird that I kind of want you to bake my ashes into some kind of cake and then ingest me so that I'm inside of you forever and ever and ever? Well, because I'm gonna, it's gonna come out. What do you mean? Can you? I don't know what you mean. Can you elucidate mm, no. the situation that you? No, I don't think I can. You hint at. So I don't want to be cremated in like thing where all these other people have been cremated and then my ashes are really not my ashes. It's like the ashes of lots of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want a fresh. <laughs> I want them to go in there with the handheld vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Like you use in the back of your car. Yeah. I want you to suck up all the remnants of the other deados. Yeah. And then yeah, I want you to give me a pristine cremation Pretty oven. Pretty much. That's like what the What are they old... called? They're not called cremation ovens. A furnace. A furnace, that's it. That's the... I want a fresh furnace. <laughs> Just like that lawyer on Alan Bill who needed a fresh toilet bowl. Yeah, that's yeah. a reference that we he all like we all rem- get. He had like a remote. I don't I'm I'm gonna just stop you there. Wow. Well, and I'm gonna say I need a fresh furnace. Watch good shows. It's gonna be in my will and testament. Just one of them. It won't be your last will and testament. It'll just be the will and testament. Obviously, it's going to be my last one. I thought that was implied. It's not implied. Then you're not smart. Is that the sole arbiter of intelligence, that one mistake just then? Yeah, if you don't know it, you're a dumber. I don't want to be a dumber. (laughs) I want to be a smarter. Okay, what are you looking forward to most about the London trip? Well, I'm just going to point this out. Okay. You're a spoiled little princess. <laughs> Is that fine Am to I say? Am I a spoiled little pony? Because <laughs> you're a chubby little love pony on the run. I am a chubby That's little... the name of your memoir. That is going to be the name of my memoir. Because the only reason I say this, the Paris trip was for you. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> wait, wait. No, 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 no. It was planned out <laughs> exclusively to do all the things that you wanted to do. And this upcoming London trip is the exact same thing. All right. But what did you have? And then I chose to have the Paris trip because you had something. That's true. So what am I... That I, I had the VR headset and you had the Paris trip. So what am I getting well, parallel to this London trip? Well, someone is gifting me this London trip. Right. So you don't get shit. You You've got, got a sugar daddy get, on the side? You get to come along. Wow. Yeah. I get to jump in your backpack. It's not like someone is gifting me, like, sponsored content gifting me, because hashtag I wish, but, like, a family member is gifting me a trip. I like how you had to specify that. Well, with online, you know, with hashtag content these We're days, not you have to, you know. sponsored by some sponsored. travel site. Well, I wish Kayak. And they're, Kayak. and they're giving you a free 
God, isn't that crazy that, like, companies do that? Blog about our hotel so you can just, like, get a free trip. Put it together. <laughs> is what I would say in response to that. Tell me what your favourite thing you're looking forward to. You mean whilst I'm being carried around by you, like your door of the Explorer, and I'm nestled in your backpack? I'm going to be nestled in your backpack. I don't know about anything. If I'm the spoiled pony princess, I get to sit in your backpack. Yeah, but you just said that I'm... You, you're coming along, and oh, yeah, that's what that's you true. get to do. That's true. As if I'm a barnacle just attached to your hull. A little barnacle That comes along with you spray, everywhere. Spray, yeah. Shh. Spray them with anti-barnacle spray. Yeah. Scrape you off. One part bleach, one part napalm. What is wrong with you? My throat just made a really weird sound. Is that because it's recently been... Hold your horses... I've got I've got a firm grip of each of them. What now? Tell me your favorite thing that you're looking forward to. Um, I am looking forward to food. <laughs> that yeah, we're gonna eat a because I am. That's gonna be exciting. We're probably gonna eat a Five Guys, which is because sadly we do not have one where we live. <laughs> what is, is wrong with people? Our favorite burger joint. Shall I? And put we it that do way? like a burger. Sure. No, I mean like. <laughs> Explain yourself. If I'm going to eat out, I'm going to have, like, some kind of chicken, but more likely a burger, because I'm not going to like anything else. Right. So just pointing out that, like, that's kind of, like, our favourite thing to eat out. Beyond that, I'm we yep. are staying in a hotel that's very close to where we used to live it's in London. It's almost on the same street as so where we lived. So I'm looking forward to being in our old neighbourhood. And just having that kind of... Nostalgia is not the right word because it was only two years ago. Yeah, but... But it'll be cool to see what has changed. Because things change so quickly. Like, storefronts and, like, different businesses and, you know, what's there still. My mum made a joke about, because we're going to be so close to it, am I going to go and see George? (laughs) (laughs) Our old concierge. Yeah, because we're in... Where we lived in London... Our building had a concierge, and he was really nice. Sure. You didn't like him. We've already. This is. <laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. We this have. is well tread ground at this point. I kind of want to go past there and see if it's the same slash if he's still there. Just give him a wink. But I don't want to have the conversation of like, "Are you back now?" And then be like, "No." To have I'm the not. conversation, we'd have to go inside the apartment building. Yeah. Well, I, what if I go inside and see him, and then I just walk? I don't want to just walk past. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. The other stuff I'm looking forward to is, since we left, they've erected two oh, more yeah. skyscrapers. In that vicinity. Because like you mentioned earlier, we lived among those huge yeah. skyscrapers. We lived right next to the gherkin, the cheese grater. Yeah. Across the river from us was the walkie talkie was down the street. Yeah, these were all literally down the road from us but now what are the names of the new buildings the scalpel (laughs) (laughs) we're being attacked by a fly right now a mouth to be precise okay hold that thought is it landed you give commentary as i go and attack it there's a ryan and he has entered the clearing he sees the moth in his sights he wads up some paper towel and he readies to attack. You only have one chance to get it. 
Can you see it anywhere? He has just one chance to get the sad little moth. Did you get it? I did. Oh. My commentary could have been better, but still. Um, you know Joe Rogan. Pretty much. In what? many ways. Oh, yeah. He's a good commentator. And I have a thing about commentators. Like, I pretty much won't like you. Just just end the sentence the- there. <laughs> what were we saying? What were we saying? We're talking about skyscrapers. Oh, yeah, yeah. One is called the scalpel. Because they all have, like, the ones that not... I thought maybe all the skyscrapers in London (laughs) had, like, funny names. But it's actually just that grouping of skyscrapers that has funny names. The other ones just have, like, regular addresses, like Canada Square or whatever. But, um, so, already there was the gherkin... The walkie-talkie, the cheese grater, the shard. And I think that's it, right? Those are the only named Those ones. are the ones that... Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I just said. Yeah, but there's more tall buildings than that. Yeah, but I said those were the only weird yeah, named I, ones. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So since we've gone, there's the scalpel and the vase. Or vase. Depending on where you're from. <laughs> sure. If you... <laughs> the vase is a little bit further out, but the scalpel is actually right in there yeah. with all the others. So I'm looking forward to just kind of being amongst all of that whole milieu again. Yeah. I, that was one of my favorite parts of living in London, was that every day when I would walk to university, I would go past all of these skyscrapers. And I, it would be weird in that I'm walking along the pavement with obviously the the coursing crowds of people and literally no one else is looking up yeah as you're going past some of the most impressive buildings in the world maybe some tourists but that's it because i really like some of the skyscrapers in say new york city obviously they're some of the most iconic in the world but they're they are all kind of rectangular yeah whereas the one thing you can say about the London skyline is that you have a lot of very, you have a lot of very eccentrically shaped buildings. Yeah. They're very interesting, just the way that they are shaped, the way that they're placed in a certain way, so certain mm. sight lines are maintained. It They just have a real character to them that you don't necessarily yeah. get elsewhere. I think the Gherkin's my favourite. I think so too. And we lived, that was the one that was closest to us. Do you remember that day, our first day that we lived there? Oh, yeah. And we went for a walk, our first kind of like, let's go and like see what's here kind of thing. And we were just like walking and then we like realised how close it was and we had like a little moment. It was like a little movie moment of being like, whoa. Because we didn't know Obviously, we didn't know the area, so we didn't know what we were going to be yeah, close yeah, to. Yeah. We uh, knew what was like around there, but we didn't yeah. know how close. And it's different kind of previewing it on Google Maps Street View yeah. than actually going there in person and walking around. And when we saw that we were, I feel like at this point, we're just kind of boasting about where we used to live. Well, I'm not, yeah, I don't yeah. think anything wrong with that because... When you spend your whole life wishing you lived somewhere cool and then you get to live there, I don't think you should then be shy about it. It was a fucking dream come true. Yeah. And I think about it all the time still. And 
we have great memories and so I feel like if you can get past the like judginess or whatever you might feel about it you can just see how happy it makes us yeah. <laughs> you know so why just, can't you just be happy for us listener you when you know by now that we're clearly not being oh my god we totally lived like by the gherkin and it was just amazing and everyone else is just you know paupers and we're just like elite like we're not we don't <laughs> the reason i think you. i'm so unselfconscious about it is that it was such an unlikely turn of events that we would get to live in such a nice place. <laughs> yeah, it was. Because I was just a student. Yeah. And obviously I couldn't go and live in dorms because we live together. We live together, yeah. So you expect to live somewhere that's A, far away from central London, and B, not necessarily the best place, not necessarily the best neighbourhood. Yeah. It's funny because when we knew we were going to be moving there, it's like... Because you were going to uni in the centre of London, I wanted to look for places in the centre of London. But then you kind of have to get realistic for a second and be like, well, yeah, but we can't live in the centre of London because it's, like, stupidly expensive. But then it it all becomes a bit different when you actually really do search for a place to live. And we visited all different types of neighbourhoods, like, not in the centre of London, and it just ha- we I feel like we really looked out. Like yes, it was expensive, but in both but it, apartments that we lived, we found a really really good. deal. It was a good deal. Like it was a better deal than like they were. I feel like they weren't normally that price. Yeah. Does that make sense? And at one point, our rent did go up. <laughs> oh, so, I remember. You know, once you're already there, there's not really much you yeah. can do about it. But um, we did negotiate though. Do you remember? Because yeah. he was like, I want to raise the rent even this much and we were like we can't do that we'd have to move out and then do you remember he was like i have another apartment in that building that's cheaper that you could move into and then i could still raise the rent on this place and we were gonna do it but then i i don't know why he changed his mind but he basically then said no i'll just raise the rent this amount instead but yeah it was pretty cool and i talking about like boasting about it whatever when I would come home and visit my mom and like my other family, all I would talk about is how cool <laughs> London was and like how yeah. cool this was and how cool that was. And like, yeah, you can take it however you want to take it, but it's really just me being like elated. The thing I always say to you is that it's hard for us to have perspective on it because obviously we've, we've been there, we've done that. But the way I try and ground it for myself and try and remember how special of an experience it really was is that the way i feel and you feel about say wanting to live somewhere like new york city where it's this it's one of the main ambitions of my life to move to america to hopefully live somewhere like that the way that i feel about that how i would give anything to do it how it's something i think about all the time it's my dream there are literally millions upon millions of people for whom london is their new york city yeah Yeah. so that's how i tried to think about it for us in a sense it was this amazing wondrous thing but we were just moving from one part of the country to another part of the country in a way so it didn't seem so it didn't seem as momentous in a sense as perhaps it really was now i did to me 
I see it slightly different to you because while you love London and you want, like, you know, want to live there or you wanted to study there or whatever, I have, like, from being, like, a little kid, that's always been my dream to live in London, to be in London. So when you talk about New York, I do feel that way about New York, but I also feel that way about London. Um. So, yeah. I... It was momentous and it was like the biggest deal ever. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. But for me, it's always going to be as much as I do love it. And I I did feel like I was deeply infatuated with the experience of living there. And I look back on it with extreme fondness. And I was looking forward to it mm. with extreme eagerness. It's as a city, as a place where I wanted to live, where I want to live it's always going to be in second place to somewhere like New York City. Yeah, I understand that. So, yeah, I'm excited to go there. It's going to be fun. I feel like, yeah, we have been there since we moved because we had to go for a few uni things, remember? Oh, that was the worst. Yeah, but... Having to get a a two-and-a-half-hour train ride to just go... this, This is a weird... It was a weird situation in that we moved away from London. Just before. And I still had one or two Mm. exams left to do. So I had to travel back there by train. Just basically go and do the thing I had to do. Then maybe we'd spend a couple of hours in the centre just doing the usual sightseeing, enjoying London type of thing. And then you'd get straight back on the train. It was a very truncated way to spend a day in London. It was weird. Apart from that, I haven't been, been, so it's going to be nice. The last time we went was when we were there for literally... It was a few hours. It wasn't... I think it was less than an hour. I'm talking about when we went to Paris, when we had to to go through London. I knew there was a time when I'd been there, but not really been there. And I couldn't think... Yeah, obviously we were there to get the Eurostar and stuff. But we didn't like... No, we, we just were in the through. tube station basically yeah. and that's it but still even just being in the tube station for those like 10 <laughs> minutes it was like you, we're back like you feel you that know. magic you do because there's nothing like those tube tunnels there's nothing like the way people in london are well, uh, the, yeah the whole atmosphere has yeah. a special meaning for you it has an importance it does do you have Besides the actual artwork, which is the main objective of why we're going, do you have anything else that you're looking forward to that you feel free to discuss? Just taking pictures. Like, oh, there's going to be a lot of Ryan mm, standing around yeah. while Sammy does her thing but with the snappity snap snaps. That's life with me, you know? Sure. Like, I do that even here, constantly stopping to, like... And honestly, there's nothing to, you know... So I'm very excited to just be snapping, snapping, snapping. I'm going to be there for like two days. So I expect to come away with quite a lot of things. And um, so that's going to be nice. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. Probably, I'm probably looking forward to that a bit more than actually seeing the art. The art is like an excuse to go to London. Does that make sense? Yeah. an excuse to like spend the money to go um 
But because we have that excuse to go, I'm going to get to do the thing that yeah. I love. We should point out as well that this art exhibition that you want to see is a limited time thing. Yeah, that's why we're going, because it's only going to be there till the end of the year. There's some things I'm going to want to see next year too, honestly, That come, but they don't come around. You better start saving your pennies then. Yeah, they don't like, you know when it's like an exhibition and it runs from such and such to such and such, it's not there yet. Yeah. The National Portrait Gallery are doing a Cindy Sherman um sure show so i'm very excited for that i'm not familiar with her work i have seen some cindy sherman before in liverpool i saw some andy warhol as well i'm more of a georgia o'keefe man myself yeah <laughs> her, her paintings really remind me of something but i just yeah i just can't sure. put my finger on the the button I'm just you know not sure the button at the top of the the opening i just now you just it eludes me it eludes me as it as it eludes most men you went one step like in the wrong direction every step i take gets me to my destination Mm. no so sometimes i take errant steps that shouldn't me wait are we still talking about the vagina how dare you utter that word (laughs) This is a man's world, but it would be nothing. Nothing. Without a woman or a girl. Yeah. So. So. Do you want to talk about the, Do you want to talk about the spider that was in the bath? Is there even a No. You came into me with a, a face white as a ghost. Look. You couldn't even speak. It had the longest fucking legs I've ever seen in my life. It barely had a body, but it had like like how have we not spoken about the thing? I know, I know, but I, I, we have two insect stories. We'll talk about it, don't yeah, worry. Yeah, it had the longest fucking legs. And it's not like how, oh, a spider has like a leg that goes... It had like... It was like a cartoon <laughs> spider where the legs go up and then like down because there's so much leg. They're at a right angle. Yeah. and Almost like a crane fly. Oh! It was horrible. Please don't make noises like that. That was a natural I'm gonna, reaction. I'm going to speak on behalf of listeners. No, it was a natural reaction and I won't apologise No for one it. likes when you make vomit noises into the mic. It didn't really sound like a vomit noise. It was more just like a lurch. I, f- I think you mean a wretch. <laughs> no, I mean a lurch. <laughs> no, you mean a wretch. No, I mean a lurch. I mean like a lurch of the body, not like a wretch of the... I know what I mean. How? Why don't you just shut up, okay? So this was terrible, and then you came and you rescued me because I do need rescuing in that moment. So what of it? Um, <laughs> but you were just like a baby as well when it comes to spiders. So you were like, uh, you were like, don't look at it. Actually, I couldn't stop let me just at it. point this you out. You weren't a baby in that moment, though. You are usually. I love how you, you try and find any way. You got the to belittle me, and you rest. No, don't be ridiculous. I came in with with manful bravado. You did. I you, came in fearlessly and aggressively, and was, I took the fight to the spider. It was one of those times where, for some reason, it didn't seem to bother you, which is weird. Because why didn't it seem to bother you? Because I just I, the, I don't know. I, I think just, you were just in a particular mood, I guess. Whereas, like, I was like speechless, and yeah. you were like, "Stop looking at it." But I was like, "What if it runs away? We have to know where it goes." And you 
It's like you were. A I'm different... not going to chase it into a hole in the wall. No, but we have no way it goes. So we can watch that space <laughs> so that it doesn't disappear. We set up a GoPro and just review the yeah. footage overnight. So, I feel like I have to start because I was the one who found it first, and then you can come. <laughs> Is it. this like Discoverer's rights? You get to name it because yeah. you uncovered it first. Basically, when I went to get groceries. And I was going to go down. At, I am the hunter-gatherer yeah. after all. We live in an apartment building. And when you come outside of our apartment, there's a hallway and then one flight of stairs. And then you go out of the main door. So I was going to go down to like help him with the bags, the grocery bags. So Oh, yeah, because the, the taxi guy. <laughs> don't even. He just, <laughs> he just dropped you like not even outside. He was like down the road. <laughs> he dropped me just... He was just like, yeah. And I had made you get a taxi because you had loads of bags. And I didn't want you to have to, like, try and carry them on way home. So you so I'm, said... I'm waddling up the path. With all these bags. With, I think I had four or five bags and full like heavy, grocery yeah. bags. I'm waddling like I'm doing yeah. <coughs> shoulder shrugs with dumbbells. That was how stiff my arms were. And So you're, like, come down. Yeah. And I, so I'm like, oh shit, I want to make sure I'm like there before he gets here. And so I like rush out the apartment and I'm going to, about to rush down the stairs and I get two steps down and I freeze because on like the third step is this really, really big. And I mean, it was like the size of my thumb. Like your whole bigger, thumb, not just the thumb. Yeah, my whole thumb. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, I didn't, I couldn't really tell what it was. It kind of looked like a giant wasp or bee crossed with like a tarantula. (laughs) It was so weird. But I did make, and it was like up, it was like doing something. Its legs were like up and it had like wings and its wings were up. And I was like, oh my God. But I knew you were coming and in my kind of like, rushingness and like i was able to like jump past it so i get out to you and i explain it to you and i'm like oh my god there's this really fucking thing big thing on the stairs i don't know what we're gonna do i don't know what you were thinking but you were probably thinking it's probably not that big i can just whack it out the way and then we get to the bottom of the stairs with all the bags. i think i should yeah should. you should continue I should pick up the narrative thread and give my side of the story before I'm defamed (laughs) in front of the court of public opinion, before my manhood is demeaned. Well, what are you going to do? So, yeah, you had told me that there was something on the stairs and that you couldn't believe that you had managed to jump past it Mm. to come down. I didn't know what to expect. And then when I got to the staircase (laughs) and I went up a couple of stairs so I could look at it closely... Yeah, I don't know even how to describe it. It was, I, it looked like a wasp on steroids. Mm. It was almost as long as, you know, a pinky. It had these huge, thick, black legs, like a spider. Yeah. Which is what stopped me in my tracks, because that instantly activated my spider phobia. And as anyone who has a phobia mm. knows... You just freeze. Yeah, it's completely out of your control at that point. Your the lizard part of your brain activates and just says, "Stop, get the hell out of here. This is not for us." And it, what I just want to point out, 
while it had wings, it was not flying. No, it I, was, I yeah. said to you, I think it was either injured or it was really tired and it was unable to fly because as we were like watching it, figuring out what to do, it was crawling around and it was trying to crawl up the step Yeah, to like get away or whatever it was but it couldn't it didn't fly at all yeah it was pacing back and forth forebodingly like a fighter yeah. in their locker room before a fight as they're pumping themselves up yeah. which is not a good sign i thought so i saw this thing and like samantha says it was big it was and it was horrible looking it was i mean this it was insect so creepy looking was so big <laughs> that it had its own health bar and mana bar <laughs> It was like a boss you have to beat to get to the next area. Yeah. I had to go online and look at game facts <laughs> to try and find the strategy. I had to find its weak points to attack to try and defeat this this enemy. It was it was really a strange You were it like was so strange. You were like, Do you think you can go past it? And I was like, No. Now that I like have seen it properly and like and I tried to go up. Like I said, it was just one flight of stairs that's like, what, 14 steps or more? And um, it was like at the top third. And so I went up like four or five steps so I could see it closer. And I was just like, nope, I can't go any further. My body is freezing when I get to this point. It's not happening. And you were like, are you sure you can't go back? And and then I said, because I was just dressed in like my PJs because I'd run out and like sandals you had like your big boots on. And so I was like, you're going to have to step on it so that it doesn't sting us. Because if it is like dying or whatever, it's more likely to sting us, I feel. And so I was very afraid. I And again, at this point, I should step you, in to explain my side yeah. of the story. At this point, I tried to make myself do it several times. But because those legs that it had was so reminiscent of a spider's. Like I said, my that phobic area of my brain had activated and was just, yeah. it was just freezing me. It was just petrifying me on the spot. I just could not act. I really wanted in that moment, because you were so scared as well, mm. I wanted to be able to just go and step on it and just mm. usher you past, lay my coat down over it like a, mm-hmm. like a perfect insect-killing gentleman, if you will. <laughs> But I just could not make myself step on it. It was so big. And every time I came close to it, it almost looked like it might fly at you. Yeah. Um, that's another reason why we couldn't just like whack it out of the way or anything. Because if you do that to like a wasp or a bee, it's going to sting you. So. And this thing was so big that its stinger scared. must have been like a little dagger and it would put it right between your fucking shoulder blades. Yes. And I was like, I do not want to get stung by this. So (laughs) we were down there for like 20 minutes or something. Like, you know what this always makes me think of? I told you this the other day. The thing I, I I don't have a fear of bees or wasps or anything like that. I've been stung. Well, you've been stung. We've talked about this before, but the one thing I do think of is my mom. She, has told me many times this story about when she was a kid she sat down on a wall or, or something like that and there were she basically sat down on a wasp Whoa. and it stung her so many times in the same place on her thigh that still to this day she has a tiny dent there that's so weird 
And it, just the Fucking image wasp, of a, a little sharp appendage on this insect's abdomen just repeatedly stabbing mm. you in the leg so much that you have like a little dimple there for the rest of your life. Oh. I, I do think about that sometimes when it comes to trying to this fight or trying to kill yeah. things like wasps and possibly getting stung. And that whole, if you don't mess with it or provoke it, it will leave you alone is utter bullshit. Like, I am proof that, like, it's crap. So, I didn't know what to do. I was like, there's no way I can go past it. I was making jokes about how we have all these snacks now that you've been going through. We can just live down here. and But we had to get past it. I unrolled a tent yeah. and I set up a permanent residence <laughs> at the bottom of the staircase. Under the stairs, like Harry Potter. Um, but without the... Wizardry? Oncular abuse. Is that a word? Oncular? Yeah. That was kind of like when it's dark and you're going down the stairs and you try and step on a step, but it's not really there and you just fall. Yeah, that was weird. me reaching for a word just that there. Was, yeah. It was a phantom step <laughs> that I, I reached for. That was funny. Um, but then it's this weird, creepy, stingy insect thing started crawling all the way to the edge of the step, like the sides of the steps. And then it would crawl back to the other side so you were like, okay, can can you go past it once it's gone all the way to the side? <laughs> One second. Just to relate this back to the video game metaphor, this is like when there's a boss that's too powerful for you to defeat at a certain point. Say like in a Metroidvania type game where you're supposed to just, you know, you keep gaining abilities and skills and items and then you're supposed to come back and access certain areas and kill certain bosses once you're stronger and stronger so when you first see the boss you have to just find a way to run past it uh-huh. you have to watch its movement patterns and find a way to dart in when it's not there that is what you got we had to do and you were like you can go past it once it goes away to the side so we went all the way to the side and then i tried to but i froze and i was like no no, no i can't i can't i can't but then eventually I just, I somehow managed to do it and then you did it as well. And it was just like, oh. And then we were like, you wanted to take like the garbage out and stuff. And I was like, no, you're not going back <laughs> out there. So we didn't go back out there for like another day. Like we didn't leave the We apartment. boarded up the door. We didn't even have the window open. Because I was like, what if, in my mind, I was like, what if somehow the scent is on me? And it, it comes into the window <laughs> or its family comes into the window. So I was very scared. Oh, because... When I had no idea what the how this thing is, I had never seen a wasp or a bee that was even, and I'm literally, this is not hyperbole, I'd never seen a wasp that was even a quarter as big as yeah. this thing. So I said to you, I think it might be a queen bee or yeah, something. Yeah, it had like, like the biggest abdomen like that you've ever seen. And <clears throat> we were terrifying ourselves by saying, what if it's like full of babies <laughs> and there's horrible shit like that? So. That's when, that's when I strapped on the flamethrower. Yeah. And I said, this thing cannot be allowed to live. I have to yeah. do this for the good of all mankind. Have you seen the movie Arachnophobia? No. I have. I don't know why you would. Oh, well, I was little and I didn't know any better, but yeah. Um, that's like what they'll show me when I get tortured. Yeah. They won't oh, waterboard me for information. They'll just play YouTube videos of people putting spiders in their mouths <laughs> and then horror films about giant spiders when i get freaked out by a spider i've seen or whatever in the house i always then have visions of certain scenes from arachnophobia always 
But yeah, so you're done goofed yeah, watching that film. Much. I'm pretty sure I've seen it more than once as well. I don't Why? Know you're a glutton for punishment. Yeah. So we didn't go out for like a whole day or day. We and set a up half. an electrified perimeter fence <laughs> around the apartment, a force field, if you will. Yeah, and then when we went out the out there the next day, there was kind of like not a stain, but there was like there was the remnants the detritus of a squished yeah. bug basically but because it was so big it was like there was a lot of it you could tell that it was that and not something else and i was like i knew someone would come along and stand on it we were because... joking about putting up a, a warning sign at the bottom <laughs> of the staircase saying <laughs> you may not be prepared yeah. for the the boss battle yeah. and the battle encounter come back when you've gained five more levels when was this? Like two weeks ago? A week, something ten days like that, ago yeah. or something? So then yesterday I saw, like, oh, yeah. trending on Twitter or whatever, Asian Hornet spotted in, in two different places in the UK or whatever. And there was a picture of it, and I then went to Google it, and I read the article, and I was like, whoa, I think this was the Asian Hornet. It's like an invasive species that has come here and is killing all the regular yeah wasps, it's killing right? like all the wasps and other insects so it's like not good we don't want it because it's doing things bad things and then before that a couple of days before that i think as i was going to set up the air conditioning unit in our mm. living room i have to open up the the window all the way and then stick the hose out of the window etc etc as i opened up the window there was a little wasp on the outside of it. And I joked that this was an assassin that had been sent to avenge no. the queen's death. Yeah, pretty much. This was a nimble little... Well, because I saw this wasp and it was on the outside of the window pane and it wasn't moving. So I could really come up close and look at it yeah. and really examine it. And it really emphasized to me how, how big, big this thing on the yes, stairs was. Yes, I was just going to say that. Because this wasp was literally the size of my fingernail. And the thing we saw on the stairs was almost was a whole as big finger, as like, my pinky. Yeah. It wasn't just long. It was like... Thick. Yeah, it was like long and And that's thick, thick with two Cs. <laughs> thick with three Cs. It was Nicki Minaj thick. And it was like... It, and it had... <laughs> no, How dare you make this scrunched that. up face what of... What's wrong with you? Uh, oh, am I objectifying Nicki Minaj? Yes, but... How dare you? So it had like thick everything. As John Gabrus would say, I've got a sickness for the thickness. Yeah, all right. So I'm not even... Yeah. So it was horrible. And then it's like when you see like a really big spider, then you see a little spider and you're like, that spider that I saw was fucking huge. And when I was like looking up this Asian hornet, I then also looked up the Europe hornet just to make sure because people... People were like, not to confuse it, but it has different colours. And this thing that we saw was really dark. That's another reason why part, it looked like part spider, because it wasn't, there wasn't like, you know, big yellow stripes or like, it was mostly dark in colour. It really did look like some kind of spider F frankenstein hybrid between a spider mm. and a giant wasp. It looked like the two animals had just been mashed mm. together the genetic structure haphazardly sewn together. Yeah. And it just, it didn't look right. It didn't look like it should be a real mm, insect. It didn't, yeah. Uh, and I said to you at the time, and I had no idea, I was like, maybe it's like some kind of hornet because 
it was too big to be because we said do you think it's like a queen of some kind but it looked even bigger than that it, that's why i was like it can't be it's got to be something else and remember at one and i point, approached it at one point and said yaz queen <laughs> and it didn't say anything in response so no i'm you I, can't have this what do you mean it's bad it's so bad it's not good you're not having it it's appropriation and i'm just gonna speak over it so you can't have it <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things that I don't really know what they are. Yeah, I know. But I've just heard them used in popular culture. I know. So I, I try and present this facade of being familiar with the kids You're and their memes the kids, and yeah. their cool sayings. Oh my god, I so, yeah, no, we must have that. Yeah, so I can't even remember what I was saying that. It's just gross. It's haunting my fucking nightmares. Oh, I wanted, I was gonna take a picture of it. Do you remember? Like wet. There were moments where it was being quite still and I could have taken a picture from the bottom and still got like detail because it's so big but I didn't end up taking it because I was so freaked out but I kind of wish I had so I could have sent it into whoever is like you would you would send it into because them saying that they've spotted it twice I think I found some kind of dangerous new monstrosity the world must know we must warn the rest of mankind God, it was horrible. Hashtag kill it with fire. Hashtag don't even risk that. Hashtag orbital bombardment. Pretty much. Hashtag nuke it from space. Yes. Hashtag. Hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. The most meta of all hashtags. And it's funny because we... I feel like we've told so many insect stories. Yeah. On it's because we hate them so much. I'm sure there are people that come across shit like that all the time, depending on where they live. But, and it's like nothing. It was like, whoa, and then it's over. But I feel like I thought about that for days. <laughs> I was never the same again. Yeah. I had to go for an intensive course of therapy to get me back to normal. And I'm always so freaked out when I go down out there because there's always like things in the corner, like spiders in the corner. Dude, or- one time. You weren't there, so you didn't see it. Now you're looking around all freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> One time I was taken down the garbage, and on the wall, I think was the biggest spider I've ever seen in real life. <laughs> Apart from, I had, I don't know if I've ever told you this story. I once held a tarantula. Why? At school. You were saying to me why about watching arachnophobia, and you held a spider? Yeah, it's a long story. I did it because... Matthew was there, uh, and he did it before me. On so... your skin, or were you wearing a glove? No, I wasn't wearing, like, chain mail. It was just my bare skin. It's a long story. It it was when we first... I don't know how you were even able. Well, the secondary school I went to was weird, in that it had a lot of animals. No, I don't mean like that. I mean, how were you physically able to I'm just not, let yourself do it? We've talked about this before. I'm not as scared as tarantulas as I Yeah, I um, think that's weird. Of regular spiders. Like, sometimes you will also say, if there's, like, a really small spider, even just the size of, like, a money spider, you, it doesn't bother you. No. But for me, all insects... I'm not just, a ra- like, arachnophobic or whatever. All insects sure. of any kind freak me out my point is as i was going down the stairs in the hallway i saw i really do think it was the biggest spider <laughs> i've ever seen in my life God, it was unbelievable pretty big it was so big yeah. it was one of those things where i i i thought my glasses were messed up it was that big <laughs> i mean to kill it you would have to climb on top of it slowly like 
you'd have to climb up its legs and then try and find the weak spot on its back. Like you're killing a boss in Shadow of the Colossus. You know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about. I'm so... You're a fake gamer girl. We all know it. What? You were you were casual. Two things. A filthy casual. You, if you don't will. speak to people that way. <laughs> Second of all, I don't even play video games. Third of all, fuck you. Fourth of all, we have to stop talking about insects now because I'm getting freaked out like that on me. Uh, one addendum. No. One postscript. No. No. <laughs> I just want. I don't even want to explain this. I just want to say it and let it hang. That wasp on the window. I had no problem killing. Just to prove that hybrid monstrosity wasp spider we saw on the stairs was a special case. Because usually I don't have a problem with wasps or bees. I had no problem killing this wasp on the window. And I killed it with a sword. Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to explain what I mean by that. (laughs) But it's a true statement. Yeah, that's true. We took a little pee break. Little pee's. Little piece, and then you drank my urine. It has therapeutic benefits, I've heard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. UFC fans might recall Leota Machida once mentioning that he, how shall we say, self imbibes. Wow. Just when he's like training or like. No, just kind of as a recreational. <laughs> just every day. <laughs> Can I have a bit, a little bit of wee now? What's wrong with you? A little bit of wee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't imagine that there's any scientific studies saying no. that consuming your own urine has medical benefits. Although they do say it's... Like, you can drink it in a survival situation. Because yeah. it is it sterile. sterile? Yeah. yeah. But it's not nutritional. We've talked about this before, yeah, I, I think feel. We have, yeah. If you've talked about something like this twice <laughs> in the span of 30 episodes, that yeah. maybe says something about it you. Maybe does, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the topic. I don't have to. You do, because I'm telling you, you do, and I refuse to speak. You're going to do a silent protest until I, <laughs> until I introduce the first topic. Right now, she's doing very stern, steadfast nods. Her will cannot be broken. Now she's doing... Now she's shaking her head as if to affirm that. Now she's kind of just shaking her head. Okay, get on with it. (laughs) Around as if she's rolling on Molly. What is wrong with you? Would you like a a candy pacifier? Yes. Would you like to touch up on people around you? No. To feel that human connection? No. Would you like to listen to Miley Cyrus and pretend that it's really deep, insightful music? No. Okay, well then I guess MDMA is probably not for you. Can I interest you in glow sticks? No, shut up and give me the topic. Okay, so, the first topic... Do you like being told to shut up? Um, only by... Does it hurt you inside? The professional dominatrix I pay on the side. Cool. Tell her I said hi. Okay, I will do. I mean, she's got you penciled in for a session next week, so no, you can no. just tell her yourself. No, no. No, no? No, no. Well. I have my own professional dom. A Natrix? Nope. I don't understand. It's a man. <laughs> You've got a Christian Grey on the side. I do have a Christian Grey on the side. Hmm. 
Yeah, you don't like Not it. Not sure do. how I feel about you this. You don't like it, do you? Yeah, exactly. Give me the fucking top. You're going to have to find some way mouth. to topple his business empire to emasculate him in your eyes. Is it too harsh? Or I think other people are going to think it's really harsh when I say things like, shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> but it's just messy. The listeners can't see the bruises all over my body. Hey, don't joke about they that. They don't know that outside of the verbal abuse, the verbal abuse, the verbal abuse, the duck-billed platypus. You're looking at me so sternly right now, and I don't deserve this. Topic, please. Do you despicabate me? <laughs> You gave the world a secret. <laughs> they can't have it. Well, they so I bleep it out. Yeah, they'll I, never know. I do not despicable you. Do you despicable me? They'll never know the portmanteau that we have devised. Yeah. I don't. I I adore and revere, and I love and affect you. <laughs> do you affect me? I do. Do you have a lot of effect for me? I do. Okay, so the first one. There's a lot of news stories about this, but I think the best summation of the situation is a New York Times article entitled, What happens to hashtag me too when a feminist is the accused? Is that accused dun, or accused? You know how some yeah. words, like accursed? Yes, I think you can say it both ways, but accused is like normal for me. Yeah. Like okay. accused is fine. I'm second guessing myself. You don't need to. I gotta have the confidence. I gotta have the conviction <laughs> of my mispronunciations. Okay, so basically, this story is pretty simple. It's is about it? a female professor, a world-renowned professor. Yeah, as the article likes to tell us, she was accused by a male student of essentially he was saying that she pressured him into sexual contact that he did not want. Yeah. She would say things to him. Um, she would kiss him. She pulled him into her bed. Appropriate things like showing up at his house and yeah. being like, oh, there's a storm and I have no power. Can I stay? Can I sleep in your bed? They and sent, then, yeah. yeah. They sent e she sent him emails saying, like, it's time for our midday kiss and things like yeah. that. So basically, she was in a position of authority over him. And he's saying that essentially she abused that position of control to kind of coerce him into a sexual relationship that he did not want or requite. And when he pushed back, he was applying for like placements and stuff. And apparently her like letters of recommendation were not good because he had like yeah. tried to stop, put a stop to things, she had like. He's alleging that there was, after the fact, retaliation from yeah. her. She was kind of acting out of spite because he voiced these complaints. So he submitted this to the university, and it's also important to note that he started the process before Me Too became Me Too. Right. Like he says in the it says in the article that this did not come from me too. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. He's he took this to the university in question. They did a They have a specific Yeah, Title Nine yeah. is what covers this whole domain of complaint. They did an investigation. They cleared her 
of some of the charges. But not sexual harassment. Yeah. They basically said that the the sexual harassment allegation was upheld by their... But the, because of lack of evidence, they couldn't prove um, sexual contact because... Or sexual assault via sexual contact because... There, essentially, there was no witness. That was right. the only reason, because there was no witnesses. Right. And in the wake of this, when this news kind of broke, the reason why this is significant in the first place is that a whole group of fellow academics... And feminists. And prominent feminists, and some people who fall into the middle of that Venn diagram sprang to this female professor's defense and they wrote a letter to the university. It's the language of this letter which is noteworthy. I'm going to read you certain sections from it so that you get a sense of the, of the rhetoric being employed here. So it starts off, We write as long-term colleagues of Professor Ronald who has been under investigation by blah, 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 blah. Although we have no access to the confidential dossier, we have all worked for many years in close proximity to the professor and accumulated collectively years of experience to support our view of her capacity as teacher and a scholar. And then they go on to say, we have all seen her relationship with students and some of us know the individual who has waged this malicious campaign against her. We wish to communicate first in the clearest terms our profound and enduring admiration for Professor Runnell, whose mentorship of students has been no less than remarkable over many years. We deplore the damage that this legal proceeding causes her and seek to register in clear terms our objection to any judgment against her. We hold that the allegations against her do not constitute actual evidence, but rather support the view that malicious intention has animated and sustained this legal nightmare. And then the other thing of note in this letter is, as I scroll to find it, so then there's a paragraph where they basically reiterate all the reasons why they think that she's a exemplary scholar in her field. One such line is, there is arguably no more important figure in literary studies at New York University. So it's that type of language. And then finally they conclude with this gem. We testify to the grace, the keen wit and the intellectual commitment of Professor Runnell, and ask that she be accorded the dignity rightly deserved by someone of her international standing and reputation. So that gives you a sense of the feeling expressed by this letter. The key points are, we know the person who's accusing her of this sexual misconduct, and he's a bad egg, so you shouldn't listen to these false accusations. Secondly, we object to the fact that this legal proceeding is causing her undue stress and reputational damage. She's such a shining star in her particular field of study that her accomplishments and her reputation for excellence should be weighed against any potential damage to her in that aspect. 
And thirdly, I mean, this just stands by itself. We testify to the keen wit of Professor yeah. Runnell. So, yeah. Let me ask you this before you say anything else. What is your point in bringing this up? And, like, what, what do you, what part of this do you want to be speaking about? Yeah. Like, okay. What's, that's, that's a fair question. Yeah. Because there's many different things, of course, ways we could talk about this. I feel like it's, I would hope it would be needless to say if anyone's heard me talk in the podcast before. But to, to just state it plainly, I'm not coming at this from the ridiculous callow approach of these SJWs are finally getting their just desserts, mm. like, ha-ha, the tables have been turned. That is the the grist for the internet trolls to glut themselves with. That That way of approaching this doesn't interest me. I don't see this as kind of a thing to take glee in, that, you know, in a sense things have been reversed in an ironic way. What I want to talk about is what you think it means, if anything, that's for you to decide. I don't want to imply my own judgment before you get to say what you think. What do you think it means when these counterexamples pop up? Because obviously in most cases it's a male aggressor and a female quote-unquote victim. Or even a male yeah, a aggressor male, and a male victim. Yeah. But rarely is it a woman yeah. So when these unusual, extraordinary counterexamples pop up, and then they're responded to in exactly the way that we saw, say, Harvey Weinstein being defended by his colleagues mm. and friends, what do you think that means? How do you feel about that? So on and so forth. In my mind, when I hear like that a woman has done something doesn't really mean anything different to me like when I think of like a person doing something to a person that's how I think of it a person has done something to another person obviously with the at the rate of all the like people that have been accused of things since this me too movement has started um that shifts more to like men to thinking men doing horrible things because it has overwhelmingly been men and in my experience of being like harassed and stuff it's been men so there is an obvious kind of like well usually it is men and is it shocking that it's a woman is it surprising um i don't think it's shocking now i think what's more more kind of surprising is that these you know when this article is telling us that she's this like renowned feminist and i think that's shocking um to me and then you could say well isn't that the same thing since usually a feminist is a woman but that's not the case right so you can have feminist other you don't have to be yeah. female. Um, I think that's what's kind of shocking. And then when people are called upon to be like a character witness or whatever, as if that means anything. Well, in this case, they took it upon themselves to volunteer that assistance for this accused woman. It's not even... I, don't, I can't even... You could maybe say if they had 
if she had put out the call for people to come to her defense, then yeah. the people around her may have felt pressured. But it seems like this was of their own initiative. This band of people felt like they needed to to jump into the fray and defend her and attack her accuser. I think now more than ever, it's people are aware of the fact that you can seem like a nice person. You can seem like a smart person. You can seem like you'd never, ever do anything like this. But you do. Yeah. Um, and now more than ever, that is evident, I think. And it, and it has shocked a lot of people, mostly men, from what I've seen. It, I think it shocked them to be like, how is this, how is this so prevalent and like no one, not, no one's talking about it. And I don't mean that as to say no one was ever talking about it before me too. We were talking about it. I'm just saying like that's on the surface what you see. Um, and it's just the same as like, you know, saying such and such is a good, he's such a good actor. He makes such good movies. How could he, you know, how could he possibly blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no. Like, I don't need to know how fucking smart this woman is from her peers. This doesn't... Her being fucking having wit (laughs) doesn't negate the fact that she could have... Yeah. ...done this to this guy. Like... Quote, unquote, we testified to her keen wit. As if... I mean, what the fuck does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Yeah, and it's like, if we do to her what we have done to all the men that have been accused, then we lose a great feminist. But it's like, you're missing the point. She's not that great anything to begin with if she did this. Like, what has... Yeah. I'm thinking through my thoughts as I'm speaking, so I want you to speak now so I can... That's understandable. Develop my thoughts <laughs> further. You can let them breathe. Yeah. You can let them... I dislike that sometimes, how like there's like a limited amount of time to talk about something. Because I feel like the way I think about things, it comes... It starts as this like dripping faucet or like this fragmented thing. And then... In real life, it would be that later on we would discuss it further and then in a few days we would discuss it further and thoughts would become much more solidified or much more thought out. But you expected to kind of do that in this type of setting. Or if I was writing about it, I would have chance to like really think about what I wanted to say. I would have a chance to put my words in an appropriate order. So... Yeah, I'm just yeah. really, especially because we haven't done the podcast as well in like, it feels like a longer time than usual. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean. And I do feel that pressure myself. Obviously, when I read the article and I re- I did a bit more further reading on it, you are starting to have a preliminary response like Mm. you're starting to figure out how you would talk about it if Mm. pressed to do so but it's not really until you go to do it Mm. and you start to put together your thoughts and you start to articulate it in a very precise way it's like you're figuring out exactly like down to the the 
most minute point exactly how you feel about it as you say it. It's a strange process. I think what it comes down to as well when we talk about like what these like probably mostly women wrote this letter defending this woman or whatever hoping that she can keep her career and her reputation. I think you realise that it's just it's hard when it comes to like with the whole cancel culture, especially with like the Me Too um movement, it's like you find out a person has been accused of something and it's like or they have a view a certain view about something and they're cancelled. Even even if person A did something and person B, who's just connected to person A, doesn't respond to person A's crimes properly. They can also be cancelled. Yeah. So it's like, um, what's my point? I see what you're saying. It's not just guilt by association. It's that you didn't take the exact right, appropriate mm. action that we think that you should have done to sufficiently emphasise your support for Black Lives Matter or Me Too or yeah. insert whatever social movement you want there and people and some people are so quick to like quote-unquote cancel people whether it's right or wrong i'm not saying it's right or wrong i'm just saying that that's like a fact but i think it's probably surprising to a person how hard it is to like quote-unquote cancel your friend or your colleague because you know most or like a lot of people this has happened to, it's been like people cancelling them or saying like, I hear you and I respect you and I, I'm kind of on your side. And they don't know the accuser, so it's like easier to, you know. I can't imagine what it's like being such and such's friend and like yeah, having to decide whether to, like you know, not be their friend anymore. And obviously there's a scale. There's, a, there's like, the Harvey Weinsteins who, like, committed rape. And to some people, the scale is important because on the opposite end of the scale, it's, like, words were said. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, words hurt less or actions hurt more. I'm just saying for a lot of people, there's a scale. Yeah. There's a spectrum of severity. Yes, but but I'm also not saying whether that's right or wrong. I'm just saying for some people there is. So I don't know. And I feel like when you, you often when you talk about this type of thing, you're talking about like, A, whether you think the person did or didn't do it, and B, what should the punishment be, essentially? Should they now be... Well, let, let me jump sad? in here. So it's diff- a, diff- it's a different um, perspective. Like right. We're trying to talk about this from a different angle. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways you can come at it. And they're all kind of intermeshed because Mm. what you think about one thing probably dictates what you think about the other things because it's about how you think, not what you think, as Christopher Hitchens was fond of saying. And it's something which I consider a lot. Good old Hitch. Yeah. My response to this was, at first, I kind of felt like, I see why people are making such a big deal about this. Because it's more than just your garden variety hypocrisy. We've seen this many, many times. Like you said, when someone gets accused of some wrongdoing, the people around them spring up to their defense, are the most vociferous, most eloquent 
providers of reputational testimony like saying this this is a good guy you don't know him like i know him look at all these things he's done all this work he's done for charity look at his accomplishments in his particular field like this cannot be the same guy you're pinning all these crimes on so in one sense it's easy to just look at it as that typical in-group out-group tribalism this person who is one of us is being attacked in some way. We now all need to close ranks around them and do whatever we need to do to get them through this. Otherwise, it's going to reflect badly on the group as a whole. And whatever needs to be done to do that, the ends justify the means. And so that that was my first response in terms of I, I didn't necessarily think it was anything truly special, truly noteworthy. But then the more I thought about it, I I saw why this really is significant and cases like this are significant. Because it seems like an elementary point, but because of things like this happening, it seems like it needs to be forcefully restated. Justice has to apply equally to everyone, mm-hmm. no matter who they are, no matter who they're associated with, no matter what positive admirable things they've done in the past and as we're seeing in cases like this the harsh standard and response that certain people would levy on a a figure that is is easier to despise from a distance like you were saying because they don't know them they're not willing to put that same spotlight on someone that they know and pass that same sentence and if the Me Too movement is truly going to be successful long-term, in that it's really going to be seen as this fair arbiter of people's sexual misconduct and a fair response to how they should be treated and punished, it needs to be willing to confront the people who are within it the same way as it's willing to attack the people who are outside of it. I agree. And I know that seems very basic and obvious and and almost doesn't even need to be said. But like I referenced before, I I think cases like this are showing that because it's so fundamental in a way, there are people who think that they can just glide right past it and just pretend as if it it doesn't matter. Hmm. I agree. I was thinking about how how it's going to like, you know, whether it affects the Me Too movement or what the headline says about, like, how is it different when it's, like, a woman is the accused, especially, like, a feminist woman or whatever. Um, it shouldn't be different. Right. In that when you say, like, I hear you to, like, someone who's accusing someone or someone who's, like, coming out and saying this has happened to me, I don't think that you can just say I hear you to women because why Why would you? Yeah. Like, why would you say that? Um, it's like in this particular article, they quoted someone as saying, this particular case really disturbs me because the Title IX protections were put in place to protect female victims. Yes. And now it's kind of being turned against. And it's, 
it's like you have no real conception of what's going on here. It's just this knee-jerk, no, this can't be allowed because this kind of turns the tables somehow. Yeah, it's like they were saying men are trying to take this away from us by allowing like a male victim to enter the space. You, you. It's like you're saying, "Oh, men have to take this from us as well." But you know when I said just how, like, when a woman says something has happened, and then everyone else says, "I hear you, I believe you, believe women." Hashtag believe women. That's the thing. And then I said, "So why wouldn't you believe men?" I'm going to honestly admit that that didn't sit 100% right with me. Okay. And I think that that's like the woman in me try, trying to protect, like the, those feminists are trying to protect this movement or their rights as women in this particular space. I don't know. There's like a tiny part of me that didn't feel right saying that. It's not to say I think men shouldn't be believed. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to be honest yeah. in that I recognize that things are different for men and different for women. And so I understand why. I understand why they might be coming at it the way they're coming at it, though I do think it's wrong. Yeah, I think it's important to be able to admit that that is a real emotional reaction that you have. Because I think that's what's going on here. I think there's kind of this instinct towards solidarity, which is good and understandable. But then there's this misguided secondary instinct that leads to, that it gives rise to, that you have to be able to defend the group, the movement at all costs. And it's not even just that. There's also this kind of tacit idea that there are figures within a movement as we're talking about these really renowned respected feminists it's almost like they become the equivalent of tenured professors or made men in the mafia they become untouchable everything they do is above reproach because they've attained a certain level of repute in this particular group in this particular movement and when you get to that status when you become the elder statesman of global feminism, you do see this type of response when they say something out of line or they do something which is perceived as being wrong. It's this kind of, we will all come together to protect this person and viciously attack the people who are accusing them of whatever because they have become a figurehead. They've become an icon for the movement in general. And so if we allow their reputation to be denigrated or downgraded in some way, it's like we're seeding ground in the movement itself. It's like we're allowing that stain to be applied to the social progress we're trying to enact. I think it's been so long, like it's taken so long for for this to be brought to the forefront, for people to say what they need to say for people to address this and for this movement to happen, that it might not be as strong as it needs to be right now in terms of, you know, a woman being accused or 
someone who had pre- had accused a man of something and then turning out that they're not a peach themselves, you know? Like, thinking of the Asia Argento thing, I'm sure everyone knows sure. what I'm talking about. As soon as that happened, it's, oh, women do lie. That's, you know, you see these comments of like, this it sh- turns out women do lie. So what does this mean for all this, all these Me yeah. Too people? What does it mean? This shocked reaction that women are human too. Yeah, and it and it only takes like one comment or one stupid headline of like, has Ozia Gento root like crumbled the Me Too movement or whatever? And it's like, no, because the Me Too movement was never about one person, though it is about you if that makes sense i don't ever want to say anything to take away from one person's experience i just mean just because she did something does not mean that a something did not happen to her and b it doesn't mean all these other there's anything it doesn't take away from all these other women and men yeah we can still continue the way we have been. And I think when things like that stuff coming out about her and this woman being accused, it's like a threat to the movement. And certain people will jump on that to try to break the foundation of it. Yeah, And that's really unfortunate that like there are people out there that want to do that. I agree with you, but this is the distinction that I would make. I totally concur with the idea that just because, as of course you would expect, because, like I said, women are human too, and there's going to be some women who abuse positions of power or authority over people and act sexually in a way that's not appropriate that's not right that's not consensual of course that's going to happen i mean th- th- this should not yeah. be a surprise it's not a man's only game right and a i man only game a man's yeah only game. i see what you're saying <laughs> but just because that comes out i don't think that in any way harms a larger social movement to try and put a spotlight on sexual abuse and sexual assault and etc etc in general of course not that's that's a completely ridiculous idea but i do think that the response to those particular instances of quote-unquote gender reversal is important and when it does apply a double standard i think that can have a negative effect on people's opinion on the the validity or the fair-mindedness of the movement in general because if you're willing to apply a double standard onto people a because they're women or b because they are part of your group people i think are entitled to say why should i trust your judgment on the men that you're attacking i understand what you're saying but it shouldn't be like that like there shouldn't be a double standard it shouldn't be just because this is a woman she gets afforded 
things that the men don't. Yeah. It shouldn't be like that. It should be if you're saying I listen to this oh, women saying that this happened, you should listen to men saying this happened. If you're going to outlaw the males that abuse, you should outlaw the women that abuse. This is a as you, <laughs> as you may be able to tell listeners, this is a tricky thing to talk about. Because you want to be very, very precise in the yeah. way that you talk about it. Because it's so easy to misspeak. Yeah, it is. And a single errant word in yeah. a sentence can have such a different meaning. And when you're talking about something like this that's so charged with so many different emotions and so much importance right now and means so much to so many different people in different ways. You really have a responsibility to to take that extra effort and those extra few seconds to say exactly mm. what you mean. I don't I'd never would want to that's what I was saying at the start of this. I would never want to come at something like this flippantly and just say, "Oh well, lol, you get what you deserve. It's good yeah. that things are being flipped on on these feminazis as you see in these stupid comments online that's for the childish trolls out there but i do think there's a way to come at this and and still say i think it's necessary to criticize some of the double standard response yeah and i think that the me too movement and people who consider themselves an active vocal part of it I think they have a duty to come out and criticize that double standard response I themselves. Do so. I because do so. even though this is my this is the point I'm trying to get at, even though I think it will be true that many less instances of this reversed role sexual harassment where it's a female aggressor and a male victim are going to come out. I think m much more likely, much more often, it's going to be men. So in a sense, you could kind of say, and I would understand to some extent, someone arguing, why are you even putting all this focus on the, whatever, 5% of cases where it's a, a woman who's at fault? But the point here is that because they are so few in number and because they're so rare and they're so extraordinary, it's very important that the response to them be the same as the response to the other 95%. Yeah. There's that extra duty to really prove that you are being honest and fair and just across the board. That's what's important here. Yeah, I think so too. If you're going to maintain a sense of legitimacy as these, as a kind of a self-appointed arbiter of this kind of sexual misconduct scandal in society then you have to be willing to say even when we don't want to do it even when it's one of us quote unquote we are willing to go to extra pains to show that we are above the petty biases of personal association mm. just because i have a friendship with this person doesn't mean that i'm not going to apply the same standard to them as some loathsome movie mogul who wants to grope starlets. Yeah, they say, she says something like that in the article when she's like being interviewed about, she's like... This is the professor you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, she's like, I'm being likened to like 
Hollywood and like people like Harvey Weinstein and I was thinking about the the reading like the accusations against her if you did flip it and it was a woman saying it about a man and then that man's friends and colleagues wrote a letter saying he's a stand-up guy and he's intelligent and I've seen him around students or young actresses and he's like totally fine like haven't you seen all his stellar submissions to peer-reviewed journals yeah you would not be thinking the same thing and I think sometimes you can't revert you can't like flip it and say it's the same when it comes to like certain sexism or racism you can't flip it But in this case, I think you can flip it and say, if this was a man, you wouldn't be defending. Yeah. Or if you were defending, we'd shut you down because this man has been accused of these horrible things. But because it's a woman, it's like handled differently. As if a woman can't be a predator. Yeah. This letter is is really fascinating because it's it's so perfect in a way if you're trying to draw up a parody like as a way to show how if this was flipped it would somehow seem okay but if it was as you said and it, it does kind of seem facile in a way to be like if it was a man blah 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 but that is the nature of this situation yeah and if it was so all these people coming out to defend a harvey weinstein I think if they said something like, and I'll read another part of the letter, we ask that you approach this material with a clear understanding of the long history of her thoughtful and successive mentorship, the singular brilliance of this intellectual, the international reputation she has rightly earned as a stellar scholar in her field, her enduring commitments to the university, and the illuminated world she has brought to your campus where colleagues and students thrive in her company and under her guidance. And in that same paragraph, they say, if she were to be terminated or relieved of her duties, the injustice would be widely recognized and opposed. And remember, this is the same letter where they start off by saying, we have no access to the confidential proceedings against her, any of the evidence, any of the arguments, etc., etc. We also preemptively discredit any of the allegations from this person because we consider him to be acting in bad faith we consider him to be a bad sort who's not to be trusted i mean it doesn't get any more cut and dry than that when you are seeing these dirtbags come out in defense of these people in hollywood who have been accused of of sexual assault sometimes where they're saying oh, well, she has a history of lying or yeah. she's an untrustworthy sort. And this guy couldn't have done it because he gave, like, two million to charity yeah. last year. Like, all right, what's the difference? What's your point in this? Like, he still harassed this person and, like, used his power against her, just like she apparently used her power against him. Like... Who cares if she has been, like, teaching for 50 years or whatever and she's a pioneer and, like, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? It's got nothing on the crimes that she is, like, being 
accused of. I don't understand why you can you can say in one breath, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, like, it's crap. Yeah. It's so, like, bold-faced and so just to think that, that they can say she's, like, so good, she's so good, she's so good, and that will somehow make it okay. How, like, self-important. That's it. <laughs> Show what you want from me. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was saying. This letter is is so transparent and it's so brazen in what it's trying to do. I mean, to literally say we have no idea of this case and its particulars or any of the relevant evidence. But if and even you, though we don't know him, we, we're yeah. telling you he's crap. Like he's. But if you find against our friend and colleague... We're going to come out and protest that decision. We're going to respond angrily against that. We're going to say that it wasn't a valid choice by the people adjudicating this matter. It's just, it's so fascinating that they feel that they're in such a a position of unassailable power and authority in this movement that they can come out and say something so ridiculous, so arrogant, and no one will call them on it. And what yeah. the reason why I bring this up is because so few people have called them on it. And that's what I'm saying. It's important that this be called out and rightly torn apart and critiqued because it needs to serve as an example of what not to do in the situation. These are people acting out of motives that we do not respect in any other context. This is a friend of theirs, someone that they respect, someone whose work they admire. So they're willing to go to bat for her and basically say, there's no possible way. We don't care what the evidence is. We don't care what you find in your particular case. We know that this person can't be guilty and shouldn't be found guilty. And even if they are, who cares? Because she's a pioneer and we need her in this movement. Yeah. And I even think this can be completely extricated from the question of whether or not she is actually guilty because as as we were talking about when we discussed the harvey weinstein case i do still reserve the right to say i don't know whether this person's guilty maybe she is maybe she isn't but the question here is very hyper focused on this particular response yeah so whether or not she is a sexual abuser or whether she's not it doesn't affect what we're saying here about this hypothetical response to it yes 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 i understand definitely don't i mean this is a whole other topic but the way that these questions are investigated on college campuses i i would definitely i could say a lot of critical things about that on its own the way that sometimes it's not about proving someone's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. They they water down the standard to a preponderance, quote-unquote, of evidence, which basically means that it only has to seem more likely than not that something happened for that to be assumed to be true yeah. and that guilt to be imputed on someone. But that, like I said, that's a whole... That can be put in its own sphere, and we can consider this question of... If you are an outsider who doesn't know the objective truth of the situation, is it right for you to come out and say that the 
accuser is wrong and the accused is so above reproach that they can't possibly be guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're going to if you're going to make the assumption that whenever someone makes an allegation it should be believed which like you said is quite prevalent in this movement you have to there's no way you can say it shouldn't be applied across the board yeah. now i don't agree with that principle to begin with but for the people who do hold to that idea you have to be willing to be consistent yeah and if you're not, it exposes your own hypocrisy. Yeah. You're saying that this is a woman-only thing and that yeah. men are not allowed. And I think a lot of people are, in a sense, kind of afraid to come out and criticize this, to criticize this double standard. It kind of reminds me of, do you remember when we saw that tweet the other day where the guy was like, this isn't the time to be criticizing the youth. Oh, yeah. This is the time to be letting them do what they need to do and just standing back and listening. That read to me as someone who was speaking out of fear, who was someone who was desperate not to draw any negative attention to himself. He just wanted to say, you do what you need to do and I'll just give you a blank check because you your efforts are so important and sacrosanct. Reading that, it was like a hostage proof of life video. You know, when they're reading the script into the camera and you can clearly tell that every so often they're glancing to the side at the gun pointed at them, but they're saying in this kind of croaky, faltering voice, I've been treated extremely well. My captives have been nothing short of beneficent to me. The revolutionary front should be advanced and is a glorious cause but you can kind of tell that there's a there's no authenticity to what they're saying they're saying what they feel like they need to say to get through to the next moment and in this situation it's like you know that this this group or this movement has the power to kind of snuff people's careers out people's reputation if you're seen as a as a detractor as a threat to it so you just try to take the path of least resistance and just show that you are you're so determined to show that you're no threat that you're an ally to this this movement that you're too timid to call out what rightly needs to be called out sometimes that's not really you doing a service to what you think is a worthy cause. That's you letting people who would pervert what is otherwise something to be praised, something to be emulated. That's you giving them the ability to corrupt that whole idea, that whole movement. I agree. Just because a pers the person is a woman, just because the people that they want people that should be heard or in certain situations are young people doesn't mean that all women doesn't mean that all youth no. like sometimes it's nuanced sometimes it's you have to like stand up and be like no this is what's right at, in order to continue the movement at all times it's important that people are able to critique things, that they don't feel so intimidated, that they silence any 
even small misgivings that they might have about something. It's always important to look at things with an eye to not just assuming that it's right or that it has no flaws. You always have to be willing to to self-criticize, to evaluate something that you think is important because otherwise you're making it this sacred thing that is above any possible argument, above any possible objection. And that's just a recipe for people taking advantage of that. And honestly, I suffer from that sometimes. I think I worry too much about what I'm saying. Not necessarily because I'm worried about saying the right or wrong thing, but more so just because... I just think about what I'm saying over and over and over again. And I think about all the possible reactions to it over and over and over again. And I obsess about it. And so I do worry about criticizing something, but I try I try to step past it because I am the only me that I am. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I because what else can you do? Yeah. You are a well meaning kind compassionate person as are you <laughs> i wasn't fishing for that i know compliment in return but thank you and so if someone has such a hair trigger defensive instinct that they would take some minor quibble that you have with something as this grand nefarious betrayal of a particular movement in general, that they would see this as you kind of trying to stab it in the back or you acting out of the lowest, the, the most base of motives. You can't worry about people like that. Yeah, I know. Because they are always going to misinterpret what you're saying. Yeah. Just got to try not to worry about it. That, yeah. Have we, have we said our piece? We have. I do think it's... It's so important that movements like this, they stay, you can't use it for your own gain, is what I would say. Like, just because someone you know, you want to try and hopefully make sure they don't take the rap for something they did. It's like you're using this feminist movement as a defensive weapon. It's not about its real goals or about its lofty ambitions. It's about using it as a, a stick to fend off the people assailing your friend. Because when it becomes that type of thing, people are going to say, you are just using this for your own cynical benefit. And maybe I shouldn't trust what you may actually be saying accurately about all these other things. Because now I don't know if I can really put my faith in the uncorrupted nature of your motives. And that's why you need to be consistent because you don't want anything to make people doubt the movement. You know what this is kind of like? What? And I'm sure you're going to enjoy this segue quite a lot. The way that Serena Williams recently tried to use the struggle for female empowerment and equal rights to excuse her own silly childish behavior you got it in didn't you yep. you managed to get it in there somehow that's my specialty under the radar how dare you i'm having to exercise yeah yeah godly restraint not to make a whole plethora of jokes right now yeah yeah but it would not be appropriate given the circumstances no, of this conversation 
I feel like you don't want to talk to me about the Serena thing. No, I just feel like I don't know 100% about it. So I feel like I'd be going based off of what I've seen and I don't know. This is what, what do you want to say about it? I don't necessarily what, have a burning passion to... All I basically know is that she seemed to have like thrown a tantrum when someone else won and the part of the reason is is because she thinks that she's been treated unfairly by the umpire and part of that being treated unfairly is that he said she was cheating essentially because she was being coached um while she was playing and that's not allowed and her point is that she everyone knows that that's not allowed but everyone still does it and other players aren't fined for it, but she was. She's only been... And I think she's trying to say she's been fined for it because she's a woman or because she's like Serena Williams. Yeah, that's her contention, that she's only being penalised because, A, she's a female athlete. This is a strange argument, given that it's a woman-on-woman match. Yeah. And secondly, because of her renown, because she's this big target yeah. that people want to knocked down to put in her place when i heard about it i was kind of like oh they're trying to do serena williams dirty i heard like a bunch of things in a row where it seemed like they were basically just shitting on her but then when i saw the video of him coaching her and then i saw that he came out and said that he was coaching her i'm like okay you're not mad then that he took that he penalized you're mad that you got caught this is let me just say my stance on this is very simple very basic in terms i would just first say as a disclaimer i have absolutely no interest or knowledge about tennis yeah me either i have no particular person i'm rooting for in in this or any other tennis match but from my understanding of it she broke three rules she smashed her tennis racket she was receiving coaching from the crowd and she insulted the umpire or whatever. She broke those three rules and the guy counted it as three infractions against her. And then she threw a tantrum. Mm -hmm. You go over there and call him a thief and a liar. Now, putting aside the fact that you're acting like a petulant brat when things are not going your way, even though you're getting paid millions of dollars to play tennis. If your argument is seriously that, yes, I broke all of these rules, but everyone breaks these rules, so I shouldn't have been punished for it, that's ludicrous. Second of all, if your argument is that, yes, I broke these rules, but this guy would only have punished me for it because I'm a woman, I think you have to have very ironclad evidence to show that this guy has a history of making those kind of sexist decisions. And the article I read about it said that he has become quite known for being a very strident point deductor of everyone whose tennis matches he adjudicates. And so it seems to me that either way, the defence falls flat on its face. And then for her to say, well, this is just me trying to advance the struggle for equality for women's rights that seems like simply a cynical attempt to wrap yourself in the cloak of feminism and say 
I can't be criticized for this because what I was doing was so important, was so lofty, was so admirable. And I just see it as, as frankly, kind of a contemptible way to take something that is important, that is virtuous, and use it to your own short-term benefit because you couldn't control your temper while you were playing a sport. I'm trying to think of how I would feel if I was being got in trouble for something that I've definitely seen other people do and not get in trouble for. And I would, I'd say the same thing as her if I thought that to be the case. I'd be like, well, I think I would say that. I think a lot of people would say that. I think they would say, well, I know for a fact that other people do this and they don't get in trouble. And obviously, as a woman, if you think it's because you're a woman, I get that. I do understand that. And I obviously don't know anything about the umbai. I don't know if that is the case, if he does seem to be sexist or whatever. Um, but I'm also trying to think about, would she have reacted the same way to the umpire if the umpire was a woman? Yeah. Because if she had, then it's clearly, then I think maybe what you're saying about trying to hide under the equality thing might be a bit true. It's like convenient in that case. Yeah. It's like the mat, the umpire was a man and I'm a woman and I'm Serena Williams and people are actually trying to bring me down. The other thing is, is that her, you know, saying all this like women's rights stuff while playing a woman while playing a woman and like disrupting the match the way she disrupted the match and then when that other woman won the match and you took it away from her in some sense because she felt the need to apologize in her speech when she won because and it's not just Serena's fault, it's the crowd. Apparently the crowd were like booing the winner. It's like you're all feeding into this thing. Um, yeah. I feel like it would have been worse if her opponent was male. Like, I've, there definitely would have been more reason to be like equality, equality, equality. But I just think it's, yeah. I don't know. I don't know yeah. enough about this to say... Whether it was like a women, a woman's thing. I understand your point. I just saw this as a an extremely overblown story. I couldn't believe how much coverage it was receiving. B a completely bogus setup to begin with. So she's getting coached from the crowd, which I guess is illegal Mm. under the rules of tennis. The guy calls her on it. Then she goes over to him and says, you stole that point from me. You're a thief. Yeah, I think that's why she's not getting more credit from me is because she causes herself to get another point taken by after getting caught, says that it's a lie and like yells at the umpire. Then it's found that actually she was being coached from the sidelines. So you just blatantly lied then yeah. to like try to cover yourself. And part of you getting in trouble was your own fault. It's an opportunist way for her to try and save face. Mm. Because she saw that it was a male umpire, she saw that there was a way to say, well, yeah, maybe I did break this rule, which of course you did. And you knew in the moment that you'd broken the rule and that he was penalizing you correctly. 
even though I did that, the only reason why he punished me was because I was a woman. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important that that type of thing gets called out. Just because I'm sure, I know that she has this reputation, I'm sure it's well earned, for advancing the image of women in sport. But this is a case where she's using something that is to be admired, that is to be, I think, rightly revered as a, a worthy cause. She's using it to cover up her own mistake, her own wrongdoing in this match. She's using it in a way that it should not be used. And like I said, I do think it's important that people point that out instead of just, it's almost like you're allowed to do that. If you've put in enough good work for feminism, people will turn a blind eye to when you use it in a selfish way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't feel like I can say much more, to be honest. I yeah, like, I feel like I would need to like really know the situation to have more of an opinion. Yeah, like, I I feel the same way. So I don't want to like make out like things are actually a certain way based on just a little bit that I've yeah. seen. Because I have such a cursory understanding and knowledge of this whole area of tennis, this contentious idea of the way men are treated and the way women are treated in the game. Another Hitchens gem that I remember he said once, whereof one knows little, one should be slow to speak. I think I will heed that dictate. But I I will say that I do, I have seen cases where it's clear that when she's protesting certain decisions, I can see that it clearly has some validity. Did you see the thing recently where she wanted to wear um, the catsuit? The catsuit, and yeah. they said that it it wasn't, fitting with the the dignity and the be- image of tennis yeah. is it because it's like all in one like I what's think, the deal yeah the idea is it's tight, it's or? too kind of quasi sexual too flashy and showy yeah. i could clearly see how that that was an instance of these really outdated mm. archaic ideas about you know, propriety and the way that women should conduct themselves. I think the uniform in tennis sometimes is kind of very outdated. Like, the fact that you, you know... I understand that being, like, you have to wear certain things. Like, for instance, I think, is it Wimbledon? You have to be wearing white kind of thing. But this whole... A woman has to wear a skirt and a man... You know what I mean? Like, that's dumb. Sure. Um... There was also at Wimbledon, remember, I think I told you this briefly, where when they, like, the commentators talk about you or... I don't know if it's when the commentators talk about you or when they write about you, if you've won something, but they don't call the women by their, like, full names. They call them by their, like, married names. Oh, God. So say there's, like, Sally Jones and she's married to Derek Smith. They would say, Mrs. Smith has blah, blah, blah. But there was an instance where the tennis player, the female tennis player, was married to someone and she didn't take her husband's name. So her name isn't even Mrs. Smith, but they were calling her Mrs. Smith. And it's like, that's a rule that needs to be changed. (laughs) That's dumb. Yeah. That's like some old school pride and prejudice type of... When the woman comes into the ball, you have to introduce her by her husband's yeah. title and name. I'm done with this bullshit. 
Shall we move on to the next yeah. topic? So this next thing, I didn't see any particular article. It has been reported and discussed widely. It's the story of this... I believe she's a technology writer. I haven't read any of her work, but I believe that's what she writes about. She was hired by the New York Times. Oh, I haven't even said her name. I tried to look up how to pronounce her surname, because I do think it's important that when you don't know, you actually make a real effort to try and pronounce someone's name correctly. And Google was wildly unhelpful. The several examples I found of of how to pronounce it were contradictory they yeah. were different sounds i believe you pronounce it sarah jung some p- people pronounce it with a with like a set yeah like a jung yeah so you know i tried to do my due diligence here and after she was hired there was this brouhaha around the fact that people went through her tweets and found that she had made a lot of comments and jokes at the expense of white people shall we say (laughs) and when this was pointed out the new york times released a statement i don't have it in front of me but to paraphrase it's i want to say it was pointed out partly because they had hired and fired someone previously for putting out the same type of thing it's actually kind of eerie how parallel the cases are because the in the previous case it was also a female technology writer and after hiring her yeah like you said the new york times let her go because these offensive tweets came to light and certain associations that she had and in this case when this came up they released a statement that basically said yes we recognize that these tweets are objectionable to some people, but she was responding to the racist abuse that she was receiving by employing the same type of rhetoric as her trolls, as her abusers. That, of course, was quickly shut down when people found out that she had been tweeting this type of thing for years on end. Yeah. So the idea that it was this... One time thing. Yeah, this like... contained short term tactic for <clears throat> fending off people trying to troll her or trying to insult her or trying to be racist to her. It just doesn't hold any water when you actually look at the facts. And so, yeah, this caused a big ruckus, especially in conservative circles, because the idea was kind of the New York Times doesn't take seriously the idea that you can be racist against white people. Because if she had tweeted racist jokes that were the ex- that were at the expense of, say, black people, there's no question that she would have been fired straight away. I feel like I should read you some of the the tweets so the listeners have an idea of the type of thing that she was putting out there. This is just a random assortment of them. White people are gross. The world could get by just fine with zero white people. And the only thing stopping people of colour is... Dot, 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 a disinclination towards genocide? Question mark. There's another one where she says, White people are fucking dumb. 
oh man, it's kind of sick how much joy I get out of being cruel to old white men. There's one where she says, fuck white women, lol. There's one where she says, hmm, you're right. Let's fund a study on whether killing all the white people would make black people safer. These are way worse than the ones I read. I feel like the ones sure. I read were like, they were still bad, but they were like mild. There's one where she puts, like, I read it and just went, I want to cut all those white people. There's one that I think you probably saw because I saw in most articles. Are white people genetically predisposed to burn faster in the sun, thus logically being only fit to live underground like groveling goblins? Yeah, so that... Okay, I think you've made... Yeah, so that's a good cross-section of what we're dealing here. The thing that I would point off right off the bat is that I looked through a lot of the tweets in question... There was a thing where someone had compiled, like, basically all of them. I didn't read them all because I don't hate myself that much. I don't have the the masochism to read hundreds and hundreds of this woman's tweets. But I read quite a lot of them to give myself a sense of what they were really like. The first thing I'd point out is that they're not all jokes. Well, they're not non-literal. They're not ironic She's saying something that she actually thinks is true, but she's just saying it in a way that she thinks people will find funny. So they're not all just kind of throwaway jokes where it's clear that she's being ridiculous on purpose, that she doesn't actually think what she's saying. So that's the first thing I'd point out. The second thing is the sheer volume of them. I believe it's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tweets over a a multi-year period. The thing that jumped out to me straight away is putting aside all the other questions. And I think there's a way that reasonable people can disagree on how offensive these tweets should be considered. But the fact that she tweeted hundreds of times about this, I think says a lot about the situation and her mentality. Because even if someone tweeted about the most innocuous thing, let's take out the white people, let's put in some totally mundane thing. Let's say she was tweeting about plumbers. She tweeted hundreds and hundreds of times about how much she disliked plumbers, how much she hated plumbers, how much, and and just tweeted all these jokes demeaning plumbers. I think if someone did that hundreds and hundreds of times, you would start to worry about them you'd start to wonder why this person was so obsessive about this one particular thing. You'd, you'd, I think, be within your rights to think, is she going to send a pipe bomb, excuse the pun, to some local plumbing business? There's a, a weird thing about the sheer number of them, just at face value. I feel like you're kind of pointing out something, though, by saying that. Okay. Because it's kind of like, maybe she was kind of obsessed with it because she's a person of colour and she's experienced racism by the hands of white people. So I can see why it would be a focus to kind of, does that make sense? I do understand what you're saying to a, a limited degree, but it's not. The, the real point here is that her comments, 
if there had been hundreds and hundreds of tweets where she was talking about racial politics and maybe particularly talking about white people, I could understand that if if she was just talking about it. But these are hundreds and hundreds of tweets that are specifically focused on insulting mm. or demeaning or belittling white people. I also think there's a difference between... I constantly hear, like, white men, white men, white men, and, like, I I get it to a certain extent in terms of, like, the white man is the most privileged. The white man is who is making the law. The white man is the person who is deciding all these decisions that don't even affect them, etc., etc. I get it. I get what that represents, what that means. But she wasn't just talking about white men. She's talking all she also says something about white women. She she says hashtag cancel white people. Yeah. Um she's just talking about white people, not the old white man who is privileged and has no culture and doesn't give a shit about anyone but him and his rich friends. Like there's a difference. Right. That's I think that's an interesting distinction to make. Not sure how to respond to it. That that's basically yeah. all I would have to say about that. It's hard to talk about re- re- essentially reverse racism. Um, yeah, this I, is. Th- let me just say, I think there are three import- There are three separate questions here that I think we will get to. One is the mo- the the elephant in the room is reverse racism a real thing? Second is was the New York Times right to st- stand by her or should they have fired her? And thirdly is, you know, sometimes when you you do a numbered list and you don't have a last one, yeah, should have just said two things. <laughs> should have just said two things. I should have said there's a duo of questions. Yeah. Okay, this is what I have to say about reverse racism. The world waits with bated breath for your opining. I think what people mean or what I would mean if I were to say reverse racism, I'm not actually meaning... Because I feel... Okay. I want to, like, be clear and I want to be careful because I want to put out what I actually mean. Yes. Racism, I think is a very specific thing against people who are not white. Okay. There's a history of great hate and suffering and tragedy. And it is ingrained in a lot of people. I think the people that hate white people or that say things about white people because they are white... I can see why you're calling it racism by definition, but I feel even though you are doing the same thing when you compare saying something horrible to a person of colour because they're a person of colour and saying something to a white person because they're white, if you compare those two things, it's essentially the same. But because white people haven't suffered the way people of colour have suffered, It's not the same. Okay. And that's why 
essentially reverse racism, as it is called, is not a thing. Okay. However, <laughs> if I, as a white person, I'm walking down the street and someone harasses me for being white, in that moment, that's still going to suck. Right. But, but it- I don't, I wouldn't, I'm not saying it's the same as racism. Or it's the same as what we know as racism. Okay, okay. I think I'm not as unsympathetic to that argument as you might think I would be. Why would I think that? I thought you were saying it. I got a sense from the way you were saying it as as if you thought you were going to be opening up a debate. Maybe I just misread yeah, that in your tone. I just wanted to basically say that just because we're talking about this, it's not like we're saying reverse racism is real and white people do you know what i mean like i feel like you should let me make my points before okay, you go ahead. you issued that disclaimer go ahead that i actually agree with the spirit of what you're saying this is what i would say i think well, first of all i think reverse racism is a kind of a ridiculous term to begin with yeah i do as well but when it comes to the question of can someone be racist against a white person? I think the answer is obviously yes. Like you said, in the dictionary definition of racism. Yes, that's what I mean, yeah. When you're talking about racism in this kind of abstract theoretical sense of either having a negative prejudice towards someone because of the colour of their skin or believing that your race is superior, I think it's it's self-evident that someone can be racist towards a white person. So that I would just say, first of all, that the idea of, if we're going to call it, quote-unquote, reverse racism, I do believe that's a, a that's possible. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it can be exercised in the real world. But the important follow-up point is that, and I think this is the distinction that you were trying to draw, I don't believe that "quote unquote" anti-white racism is a is a real pervasive thing in society in any conceivable way. There's no structural or institutional racism against white people. Yeah, and I think that is what people commonly mean when they use the word racism. That's what I was trying to say. I was saying. Even though you could say your feelings are hurt because someone has been bad to you because you're white, it's not the same right. as a person of colour having something sure. done to them because they're a person of colour. But I do think that they are different things. And I think when people say, you know, it's now become a kind of slogan for a certain part of the left to say reverse racism is not real. And in a sense, they're just trying to rankle white conservatives but they also do mean or they may not realize this is what they mean they're kind of conflating the idea of racism as this abstract idea and the real world embodiment of racism like i said as a kind of structural force that exerts a wholesale pressure on a particular race and i think those two things should if possible be distinguished when you're talking about it. I don't think it's useful to treat the word racism as if it only means a specific type of racism or perhaps better said, a form of racism. 
I think there's no cost, there's no reason why you shouldn't be more precise with your language and say, as I just explained, that distinction is a very real, significant, meaningful one. And we're going to hold to that and say that you do not experience that latter form of racism. But you can still say that that's not what the actual word racism means. Okay. Alone, I mean. Okay. Do you have any comments mm-hmm. on that? <laughs> this is what I, I would say. I think it's more, in terms of what we're talking about right now, what stands out to me more is like whether she should be fired, whether she should have been fired okay, as yeah. well. Not necessarily the racism of it kind of thing. Or not. <laughs> what do you think? Right. Um... Well, first of all, I think it goes without saying that as a private business, as a private publication, the New York Times should be able to hire whoever the hell they want to write mm-hmm. for it. But I do think there is clearly a inconsistent application of their own principles when they fired one particular writer for having offensive tweets. And then they stood behind this new writer when her tweets were offensive but they weren't offensive to the people quote unquote who matter yeah that's i think an interesting thing to consider yeah because if you're saying what are you saying then your tweets can be offensive but as long as they don't offend a certain group of people i think what i would have hoped is that they should say be saying we don't want you to have said anything offensive against anyone. But they have, by continuing to hire her, said what you just said, that it's not the right kind of offensive to be alarmed by. And I also think her whole statement is bullshit. Like, when you're like, there's hundreds of tweets, it's clear she's not not even responding to people in a lot of the tweets. She's just tweeting out crap. (laughs) Like... Yeah, this is her her sense of humor. I mean, this is the type of yeah. thing that she tweets. I think the New York Times, if anything, I don't even think they necessarily needed to respond to this. Because like I said, they have a, a complete unfettered prerogative to hire whoever the hell they want to fill their op-ed pages. But if you are going to respond to this controversy, I think they should have said, they should never have said what they what they did try and trot out as a defense because it was so easily torn down when people actually looked at her her timeline what they should have said is we don't endorse or stand behind the individual viewpoints or past actions of the people who write for us that's their own business that's their own conduct by hiring her we're not validating the things that she has done that people take offense to we're just hiring someone who we think is an interesting writer who will provide an insightful perspective for our readers. We're not giving this wholesale check mark for every single thing she's done in her past. But what they tried to do was to make an excuse for yeah. the things that she's done. And I'm not saying whether what she did was right or wrong. I'm just saying that they clearly thought that they needed to weigh in 
and put the force of their reputation behind saying, actually, this thing you think is wrongdoing, you're actually interpreting it the wrong way. She was using it as a kind of self-defense cudgel against the people who were tweeting her vile, racist nonsense. I think by doing that, they've taken a position one way or another, whereas I don't think they should ever have done that. Do you think they should have hired her based on the fact that they fired someone previously for racism? I think if they're going to try and hew to that standard, I think it's obvious that no, they shouldn't have hired her. But my point is I don't think that it's necessary to to say we're only going to hire people who we whose conduct we agree with. Yeah. I think that's not the business that a newspaper should be in. No other businesses are like that. So I feel like when you work for like a grocery store or whatever, there's no They don't vet your tweets. Yeah. They don't say And if they found out you were racist, would they fire you? Like Um I've I don't know that everyone every company would. I mean they would if a if a Twitter mob found out uh, about it and I said now, yeah. you know, Whole Foods management a long laundry list of yeah. your perceived misdeeds. If if that type of pressure is exerted on any business, they will probably fold and fire whoever it is. But that's a separate question from whether or not they should be fired for their personal beliefs expressed in their own time. Sometimes when a person says something, a lot of people are then going to think, well, that's because that's what you think. For instance... Sometimes we respond to each other on this podcast, but we're not necessarily responding from a point of opinion. Like, we're responding in a kind of neutral way, Yeah, I feel. Um, Trying to see all sides of one thing rather than this is my opinion and what I think about it. And I find that really interesting because I feel like sometimes we talk about things and I don't necessarily have a solid stance on it, but I can still open it and, like, try to see all the sides. Right. And I, yeah, I don't know. This kind of reminds me, this is something that, to introduce a, a controversial figure of a different sort, Jordan Peterson who is not a character whose opinions I find myself often agreeing with, Mm. but he often gets himself in trouble because he has that kind of academic professorial mindset of sometimes you just say something to advance the conversation, to put a new factor at play, to kind of, to expand a sort of thought experiment. And you make these assertions or you throw a comment in there as just kind of a way to to provoke the next stage of of the conversation of the dialogue Mm. and there are a lot of people out there who are so literal minded that they do think that everything you say should be only a reflection of what you actually believe yeah it's like playing devil's advocate which i feel like we both like to do yeah we both like to present something that might be the opposite of what her person has said so far, just to get to see all the sides that we've yeah. talked about. 
It's an interesting way to, to go at it because it will, I think, inevitably result in you drawing some flack. When you're doing a long-form, free-flowing podcast where it is just this open-ended conversation that can go anywhere, you are eventually going to have to say something you don't believe just to expand what you're talking about, to, to add new forks in the road about where you can go down. And people have to have enough of a sense of irony and a sense of understanding that sometimes when you're you're having a debate or a very serious dialogue about something, you have to be willing to put forward the counterfactual of something. You have to be willing to put forward the opposing argument with the same kind of vigor and earnestness that you're willing to put forth your own argument. I've heard this... Are you familiar with the term straw manning? It's the idea that when it's it's kind of a it's a it's a weakness some people have in the way that they argue. It's like a fallacy. You put forward the opposing argument, but in this watered down, weakened version that's easy to knock down because you you haven't put it forward in its full form. The contrary to that is this term steel manning which is the idea that you take it upon yourself to represent the opposing view as strongly and as skillfully and as charitably as you possibly can because you want to tackle the argument against your own in its best form. Mm. And I think that's what I think we both have that ethic of I don't want to just say what I think and not point out that there are other perspectives. Yeah. I want to be able to put them forth as I'm saying my own thing and explain why I'm in opposition with them without just drawing these these hollow, shallow caricatures of them. It's a way to try and get yourself to think the way other people would think. Yeah, exactly. Or to try to wonder why they think the way they think. Yeah. Something I was going to say just is, it's kind of like this podcast, how we don't always put up topics to talk about because we want to defend a topic right. or because um, it's a subject we're passionate about in a defensive way. We see the opportunity to have a debate or we see the opportunity to try to think in a new way about something. It's not always like, I think this about this, or we're going to talk about this so I can show how smart I am about this thing, or I can show how much I love this thing, or how much I know about this thing. You know? Yeah, exactly. I look at it as... Well, for example, with this, I could see how someone would say... It's it's almost like when you talk about a particular instance like this, where it is quote-unquote reverse racism, I think the knee-jerk reaction of some people is to say, why aren't you bringing up instances of normal racism and condemning that yeah. and going on a tirade about that? But it's there's almost nothing to say about that. 
like it, it's straightforward and obvious that that's despicable yeah and that should be stamped out from society i can't really talk about that for 45 minutes because there's no there's no nuance there racism everyone who is sane and reasonable and compassionate agrees is a horrible evil thing yeah. and should be gotten rid of as forcefully and as quickly as possible but there's in cases like this there's more nuance there's more things to try and there's, there's little details to tease out there's ways to kind of unfold it and explore it yeah because it's the it's the edge case it's the extraordinary instance it's it's the unusual embodiment of yeah. it it's like the professor who was accused when i knew we were going to be talking about this <clears throat> a part of me was like why aren't we talking about any of the right I did exactly the thing that you were saying. I thought, why aren't we talking about any of the men that are accused? But we're not talking about the woman who has been accused because she's a woman and we want to, like, credit her or discredit yeah. her. We are choosing it, like you said, because, A, in that case, why aren't more people talking about it? And, B, there are different things to say. Right. Lots of people are talking about the males doing this thing, doing this thing, doing this thing, but but there's not there's argument that's unheard about a woman right. being accused. Um, it's rarer. It's different. There are different reactions to it. You know, just like we were saying, right. the women all responded differently than the men responded to it. So I hope that that's. Yeah, when there's a cacophony of consensus about a particular thing, you don't really feel a very strong impulse or a very strong need to add just one more voice saying the exact same thing. Mm. But that when there is a kind of strange inverse that emerges where people aren't really examining it and people aren't really commenting on it, it's a. It seems much more necessary to talk about that. I agree. I agree that you're pretty. Uh huh. I think you're pretty. Do you think I'm pretty enough to eat? Yes, I could eat you right now. But we. <laughs> <laughs> the end of every podcast just turns into a a love song to food. What do you want from me? Four hours without a snack. Sure. You're looking like it's a snack. In as the kids say. It's inhuman treatment. Yeah. It's cruel and unusual punishment. Pretty much. The, the one last point I would have about this is reading through her tweets, I did. I obviously didn't feel, I guess that's not obvious, but I w would say that I don't, I didn't feel offended or upset at any of them. I think that goes back to what we're saying earlier in that I don't like, I have no sensitivity towards racism towards white people. Yeah. Because it's not something that I have to worry about. It's not something that I experience. Yeah, I agree. So the people who are so. I also know that I'm not going to be treated like you don't get treated the same. Yeah. We have a, we do have a privilege. The people who are, are so thin skinned and so hypersensitive that the white people commenting on this i mean who they're coming at it from this whole angle of 
oh, her tweets hurt me so deeply yeah. and they're so despicable and they're so unconscionable. I think that's exactly the wrong way to come at it. Because as I've said before, I do defend people's right to A, joke about whatever the hell they want and B, the principle that just because you joke about something doesn't mean that that's what you think. Mm. It, they can be completely non-literal. They can even be at the expense of the type of person who would say something like that. I mean, you could make a joke where you're you're kind of mimicking some ignorant hillbilly saying something offensive about a minority. And the whole point of the joke is that you're insulting the type of person who would say that. Yeah. But if someone wants, was to look at the literal quote, the, the words themselves taken in a vacuum, they would think you were saying Yes. That thing. I understand what you're saying. So that that would be my first point. My second point is I saw a lot of hyperbole about how this was this racist hatred towards white people and how she was this kind of virulent anti white bigot, blah blah blah. Reading through her tweets, I came away and this is this is more so taken from like I said, a lot of the tweets in question aren't really jokes. She is just saying what she thinks. She's trying to say it in a kind of witty, demeaning way to kind of get a rise out of her detractors and to get a chuckle out of her her friends, people who are in agreement with her. But they are actually, these are things which she clearly does think. I came away f with the feeling that the most you could really say about her was that she has a kind of nebulous dislike distrust distaste for white people i i think there has been far too much exaggeration about the extent of what she said because if she had actually been earnestly calling saying all white people should be taken to camps and killed and clearly saying that as a you know completely deadpan statement of her own belief that would be a completely different matter from her constantly making jokes and constantly saying things which show that she has a propensity to demean white people and that she has a certain loathing for certain aspects of, I think, what you could maybe facetiously call white culture. But I don't think she's in the same category as as true dyed-in-the-wall racists of any stripe. Yeah. So that kind of makes this a slightly different situation. And just another thing, I do understand this idea that people will say, like you did earlier, because she is a person of color and because she has presumably experienced racism herself, probably from white people, it makes sense or it's somehow justifiable for her to lash out in return and to try and reflect that back at them. First of all, that's kind of a eye for an eye and the whole world goes blind type of mistake type of fallacy but second of all no one would accept the argument let's say 
some white dude has something negative done to him by someone of a different race. And so from then onwards, he has a negative opinion of that race in general and says things that reflects that idea. No one would accept that was a legitimate response because you're attacking the group as a whole, whereas actually your problem is simply with one individual. But in this case, people do seem to accept that as a, as a, a very real, a very credible excuse. And if you make the argument that, well, it's okay in this case because white people haven't suffered hundreds of years of oppression... I get that, and that's fine, but it does seem kind of like a non-sequitur, because I don't see how that justifies having a certain antipathy in your heart for a group of people based on something that they all haven't done to you particularly. Because we know why people think that way. Um, To a certain extent, it's like... I get it. It's certainly understandable and warranted. Also, a lot of people who aren't racist <clears throat> are still a little bit racist because it's like ingrained in them and they do things that they don't realize are racist. And also because white people are still afforded a privilege that people of color aren't, it's understandable why you would just kind of dislike or distrust or not be able to have faith in white people my point being that it's not okay for someone to hate a particular group of people in this blanket way regardless of who that group might happen to be and regardless of what that individual person's backstory and reasoning for that hatred is i think it's a pretty elemental thing to say that that hatred should be criticised, that hatred should be disencouraged, if that's even a word. I agree, especially when you think of, like, moving forward. It's like, I get it, I get it, I get it. Now, in order for us to all be better, we all need to, like, change. Try to fix it so that people don't hate each other. Do you see what I'm, I'm cooking? I want what you're cooking. I've got. I'm. I'm miming as if I've got a giant pan, and I'm. What are you st- making? I'm stirring cookie batter. These cookies. Are you making me cookies? These cookies could be for you if you're a good pony. Am I a good pony girl? You're the cutest little pony girl that I ever did see. Am I gonna get cookies? Can you feed cookies to horses? I mean, you can, whether you should or not. If we type that into Google, do you think we'll be the first people to ever ask Google that question? I don't think we'll be the first people to ever ask Google any question. I think there's a question you could concoct that has not been repeated by human mouths before. It has to make sense. Yeah, it can make sense, but it could be like 10,000 words long. And now you've just been silly. There are some novels that are just one continuous run-on sentence. But not a question. Well, if you put a question mark at the end of it... But does it make it a real question? This is a semiotic debate that I'm not interested in diving into. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything left to say about this, I wonder? (laughs) I'm done with it.
<laughs> you know how in cartoons... Let us be done with this. In cartoons, it's like the eyes will be replaced with dollar signs when someone's yeah. greedy for money. With you, it's like little cupcakes. Yeah. I need the food inside me. You need those... You know how you can get contact lenses where they have little pictures on them, little symbols? No. You've seen contact lenses where it gives you cat's eyes. Oh, yeah, I guess. It's the same principle. It's just a little printed image on them. It's creepy. I can never wear contact lenses. The the sheer idea (laughs) of pressing a little hard, transparent sheet of whatever. It's glass. Yeah, glass is hard. I know, but it's not hard. It's like soft. Whatever. The idea of, of pressing anything to my eyeball... And leaving it there throughout the rest of the day is my worst nightmare. Yeah. Can't they get, like, stuck at the back of your eyes as well? Oh, but then, the other day, not the other day, a while back, I heard a description on a podcast, someone who had gone through LASIK surgery, and they were describing in very, very specific, intimate detail what it's like. I mean, to the, just the procedure itself is horrifying and nightmare inducing enough the fact that they cut a flap in the the You're surface like of your, your eye. eyes as you say this because <laughs> i'm trying to protect my eyes from the imaginary lasers that are floating around me right now they cut a flap and then they lift it up and then they do whatever they've got to do and then they put the flap down and so for the rest of your life there's a potential although very minute danger that if you rub your eye too much, you could dislodge that flap yeah. again. You're an eye rubber as well, I've realised. Yeah. You... Both closed eyes. Yeah, you don't rub them when they're open. But, yeah, you're an eye rubber, like a little baby when they get tired. Yeah. You rub your eyes. But the, the thing I was going to say is that the actual LASIK procedure is bad enough. But then this guy was describing how as they get you ready for the procedure, they first of all give you a numbing agent. And they, it's like eye drops to to so you can't feel anything that's happening to your eye. But then you have to be awake for it. Don't yeah, you? which is just horrendous. And they put those clockwork orange clamps to hold your your yeah. eyes open. But then he was saying that to make sure there's no dust or little specks of whatever on your eye, which might disrupt the laser, they take a brush. And they brush no, the surface of your eyeball. I don't even have a thing with eyes, and this is like making me I mean, feel good. The fact that people pay for the privilege of that to happen to them is just mind boggling. They want to me. be able to see, okay? I'd rather be blurry and not be would traumatized. You? I would say that I would never get it, but then I don't know how I would feel if my vision like messed up. But yeah, that's terrifying. I don't mind wearing glasses, though. That's the thing. Yeah. You'd have to hate glasses quite a lot to want Some someone to cut do, open though. your eye with a laser. Some people really do, though. That's fine, but that's for them to do. Mm. I could not stomach that in a million years. I don't want to do anything awake. Like <laughs> I... you, just, <laughs> you just faint right now. I wanted to be put to sleep when I went to the dentist last time, but it was just too expensive. But yeah. I could have just conked you on the back of the head. You should have. With a house brick. But then I could have woken up mid. There's no control over it. You know, you can wake back up at any time. So that's not good. Yeah. 
Also, I feel like when people get, like, when we watch, like, UFC or whatever and people get knocked out, they wake up straight away. Sometimes, Or, like, a yeah. couple of seconds later. But in movies, when people get knocked out, they get knocked out for, like, an hour. Sure. Or whatever. And I, I think that's a coma. I don't <laughs> think that's, that's not the same as passing out. That's, like, I've temporarily put you in a coma. Right. Strange. Movies are obviously not the best guide. No, I know. To anything. I'm you just know, saying. It, in the spy movies where the guy creeps up behind someone and he snaps their neck by just. Yeah, twist, you hate that. A tiny little jerk yeah. in the back of their head. Whenever we see anyone get the neck broken in a movie or a TV show, you're always like, he just like touched him like gently or because they don't even couldn't try. have done that with enough force you're right they do it with just their hands whereas like in real life you'd have to like you'd have to wrench re- yeah you'd have to use your body to like grip the person and you'd then need like, as much torque as possible no. the spine is not tissue paper you can't just snap it with a, the click of your fingers it's uh, crazy so so it's me it's, it's you. me and you, and we are goodies. <laughs> I don't know what's in the goodie bag of life, listeners. We're going to be peering at you from it. the bottom. We're like little borrowers. You know how they give those, whatever, $5,000 goodie bags yeah. out at the Oscars? There's just a little... There's like a trip to a different country. Yeah. There's like so much crazy <laughs> shit in there. There's an island in the Bahamas, yeah. the deed to it. Let's go. And there's just a tiny little USB stick with our podcast on. Yeah, they're giving away our podcast. Do you think Brad Pitt wants to listen to our podcast? Probably. I mean, it's got no one else to do with it. Bradley Pittance. (laughs) I mean, his name is is short. Yeah, is it? Bradley Pittance? Yes, he came from a very destitute family. You've gone mad. Have I gone mad or have I gone... You're not smart. Snad. We fail. Because we're hungry. And it's taking sure. over our brains. Feel free to free us from this misery. Free us from this misery. <laughs> I can't reach it. Wait, what? You can't reach what? Yeah, don't let them behind the curtain. Even though we have said explicitly many times yeah, yeah. Can you get it that we me? read from a sheet of paper. Are you going to hear the sheet of paper? There was like... I was watching an episode of CSI. Should have used your Mr. Fantastic arms yes, to stretch and grab it. I was watching an episode of CSI and there was like a murder, but like it was posed as a suicide and the guy gets the, the murderer gets the victim to like read a script into like a tape recorder as like a suicide note. And there was like, you could hear, they isolated the audio and you could hear the paper. Sure. And it made me think of this. Yeah. <laughs> when we held the paper up against the thing. Ooh. What am I doing? Hold that for. Do, you're doing such cute things. You're doing cute things with your tongue. Cool. Yes, yeah, so we're done. I'm done. I'm done with this. <laughs> With you. But you're contractually obligated to read the plot. Did you hear that? I did hear that. If you that. don't hear it, it's not real. And I internalized that pain. No, that I love you. Assault on our relationship, on the integrity of our bond. Yeah, my bunny boy. I love the structural integrity of the love that we have for each other. 
has been compromised. What did I say to that? <laughs> that was an, as all eye rolls are, that was a non-audible eye roll. Apparently, I can't eye roll. This is he true. He eye rolls very well, and I look like an insane person when I try to eye roll. You just don't have the roll. I think it's because they have small eye sockets or <laughs> eye openings. Like, you have, like, nice, beautiful, big eyes, and I have, like, tiny eyes. And I just... That doesn't mean so you So I don't have space roll. to roll them. Space? You know what I mean? It's not like a ball bouncing around the it's walls of a room. It's a ball that goes like this when you roll them. But you can still swivel. You can't if there's no space to swivel. Okay. This is your lived experience. Anyway, anyway, anyway. anyway. And I respect it. Talking of redundant terms. <laughs> Okay. All experience is lived. Apparently. As far as I know. You would never know by the state of Unless things. Unless rocks are able to experience things. Are you going to cook dinner for me? I could, but I don't think you'd enjoy yeah, it. No, it won't be good. Can I interest you in toast? No, because you don't make the toast the way I like it. That's And you know what? You don't like horrendous. to take instruction on the way that I like it. If someone's going to do something for you, I understand to a certain degree that, like, someone's doing something for you, so you can't really complain about it. But at the same time, if you are doing something for someone, don't you want to give it to them the way they want it? It's like saying, I got you a birthday gift, just be grateful or whatever. But, like, it's like, okay, but you bought me a gift that has nothing to do with what me. I, I You don't know what I like. You didn't try to learn what I liked. You just got me a fucking... Pair of socks. Yeah. Sure. But when you're telling me that I don't make a cup of tea for you, right? Because the order of the tea bag and the milk being included is not sufficient to your liking. That's That's quite patronizing do you know why it's ridiculous though that you have a problem with that because you are the king of do things a certain way except when it comes to me wanting my tea a certain way you like can't do it but whereas it's like when you want your tea done everything to like the way i dry the cup it has to be a certain way so that's what annoys me the most if it's you wanting something it's a b c d but if it's me wanting it it could be a z blank 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 and you have to just take it because i'm doing it for you i resent this character assassination yeah yeah okay i'm done i'm hungry let's go let's go we hope you enjoyed the episode guys 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 please share it with anyone else you may think you may think you may think you think may like us. Please like us. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to, but it'd be nice. Um, we release new episodes every month or so after the last one has been released. You can find the podcast on iTunes and pretty much all other podcast services. Or you can go to artacpodcast.com. That's A-R-T-A-T podcast.com. And that directs to the SoundCloud page. If you have any feedback or comments, um, you can email us at rtappodcast at gmail.com and please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes because it really helps podcasts like ours. Small little gems. Gems. <laughs> Ding. Um, and if you want to, we are rtappodcast on social media 
and by social media, I really just mean Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> um, so, yeah, come follow us. Come enjoy our tiny, tiny little gem. A tiny, tiny little... Is it an ice gem? I, Americans aren't going to know what that is. It's like a little cookie with sugar, like hard sugar icing. Yeah. I, you went that way. This is the way that I went. This This is a good demonstration of the different type of minds we have. You said we were a little gem, and it made me think... I read this story one time how this guy made money by combing the sidewalk in this jewelry district. The idea being that little chips and fragments of gemstones would fall off the jewelry that these people had bought when they come out the store and it would settle into the cracks of the pavement. So he would go along with whatever a, a light and a magnifying glass and he would try and find the little glint of these tiny 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 little fragments of diamond and he would collect them and then he would sell them That's, and he did find them yeah, like it was common apparently that... it's more common than people think sometimes wow. it's little parts of gemstones and sometimes it's actual you know how sometimes if you have like a stone will fall yeah out? yeah that's weird because i feel like usually when you leave a jeweler's you don't have the jewelry on and it's in like a box or something but i guess maybe you do leave maybe some people do i think it's leave. also just the idea that people walking in that district will be more well off and, and they'll have all the jewelry on yeah, yeah and so that's, that's what our crazy. podcast is Aww. a little tiny fragment of diamond settled into the grime in between two slabs of concrete on the sidewalk in the city of london yeah yeah everything's better when it's in london pretty much everything even tuberculosis what is wrong with you i'm so excited to go what about all the tuberculosis Mm, i don't think i'll be having any of that (laughs) that's not how diseases work well, I'll try not to have any of that. You can't just say, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. You can't just say, no more. No more. No How are you making this sound? No more. Say Elmo. Elmo. <laughs> this I'm creeping is, myself out. This, this is voice. creepy. Sometimes it's cute and sometimes it's just like creepy. That's my whole. No. Brand. No, I don't. Think sometimes that cute, that. but sometimes creepy. I don't like it. Get out. Get the creepy out. You can't just saw off a part of my personality. I can. You're not really creepy. I don't like that you've given this to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Am I creepy? I do sometimes say creepy things before bed. That's very true. Like, I'm going to watch you sleep. <laughs> Can you imagine if I just was a disembodied head? What is wrong with you? I'm always scared there's going to be, like, someone in the wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. And I leave it open like a little crack, and I always think eyes are going to appear. You know? By leaving it open, you're kind of giving someone in their ventilation an air supply. But I have to leave it a little bit open because it doesn't close. Because there's stuff hanging there. Maybe you should duct tape all the openings. And if someone is in there, then they'll slowly they'll suffocate die. to death. Yeah, 
I mean, it serves that's, them right. That's horrible. For breaking into someone's house and just lurking. <laughs> just lurking in the wardrobe. Just lurking. <laughs> yeah. Like I gave in the kitchen. Oh my god, we're still here. What if we can never escape the podcast? What if we're destined to record our pointless, inane ramblings for the rest of our lives? We're trapped in this track on audacity. There is no escape. The podcast has become our lives. Our lives have become the podcast. What if I never see another potato again? It's hard to even contemplate that level of catastrophe. What if I never see another potato again? <laughs> it was so dire that it bears repeating. <laughs> <laughs>